Welcome to the Jeff Gross Podcast. This episode is brought to you in partnership with Party Poker. Go to PartyPoker.com to play tournaments, cash games, and improve your poker game. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast to hear all of my future episodes. Hello, everyone. We are here, Mr. Jonathan Little, the number 40 podcast. We are on our way to a very special day. Jonathan is gracious playing the UK Millions Party Poker event today, day 1B. You played yesterday and you're here now again. You're going to come a little bit late to this uh, tournament. You had a good run to start. Tell us how you're doing, who you are. Give the people what they want, Jonathan. What's going on? How are you? Hello. I'm great. You're doing well? It's 100 questions. It's a lot. I like to just vomit it <laughs> once and see if you can handle it. So uh, we're here. But tell me a little bit about what, what's happened so far this trip. You had you, you played the, the mini millions. You went deep. We have 102 questions now. Yes. All right. So number question number one. Yes. <laughs> I am Jonathan Little, yes. professional poker player, author. I have written 14 books on poker. Another one's coming out of the World Series. So 15. Holy cow. Um, I own a training site, pokercoaching.com, where we're going to be giving you a giveaway to get a membership at the end of this podcast episode yes and um have about seven million dollars in tournament caches over you know a decent amount of time and i'm an old man now i have two kids i live in new york city and i try my best to live a semi-normal life while still traveling to play poker so we're out here in nottingham yes it's a cool place i like it i was just walking over from my hotel to jeff's and it's a sweet city like there's this a bunch of old cool architecture it is it's, it's really, neat it's different it's different it's archaic it's nice it's got that really old english feel to it it's so. archaic but still like hip right yeah it's got a merge there yeah. so so anyway uh, over I, tournament i want to ask jonathan oh. a few i want to just kind of dive in here for a second because jonathan and i both i would say it's fair we're two of the more active <laughs> people in the community in terms of content in terms of uh you know, being socially promoting poker so how did you get when did you transition from being so much playing all the time to decide, all right, I want to go do a, do content, do coaching, do do this type of social promotion. When it, what, what clicked in your head to say, all right, I want to do more of that stuff? I don't think I ever really thought of it as I am trying to do social promotion. It was more of, I always, whenever I would hi, uh, go uh, play a new game or even in my current game, whatever I was playing, I would always hire a coach to teach me because right. this is like a super value compared to trying to grind it out and learning yourself because it would take forever and you're going to make a lot of mistakes. Right. It's just way cheaper to pay someone for their years of experience consolidated into exactly what you need to learn in that moment. And so I would always hire a coach. So after I became uh, one of the best players in sit and goes a long time ago, this was, I don't know, 2006 or something like that. Right. Um, I decided to start coaching other people myself. And then I quickly realized there was more demand than supply. Mm -hmm. More people want to be coached than I had time to coach. So I started making training videos. This was, like I said, 15 years ago or something like that. Mm -hmm. And I've been doing it ever since. It's It started off small. But then over the last, I think, four or five years, I decided I wanted to settle down, have some kids, <laughs> and be able to stay home without it you know, completely wrecking my finances. Right. And so I wanted to ramp up that business. And I've been ramping it up a lot over the last five years. But I've been making poker videos for 15 years. So that's awesome. How did you get such a strong domain name? Pokercoaching.com. It's like owning poker.com or whatever.com. It's just like, that is powerful. Two keywords. Where did you get that? And how did you come up with that to, to, to get that, uh, that, that site? I've had a lot of good things just fall into my lap. Okay. And that was one of them. So my first poker coach was a guy named Bill Seymour. He was a grinder from the eighties, nineties, and he had a site called pokercoaching.com. Okay. And that's actually where I went as young Jonathan Little. I paid him a hundred dollars an hour to coach me. I, I, I'm sure I just Googled, is there 
AOL or Yahoo or whatever. Yeah. Um, <laughs> poker coaching. And that's what came up, pokercoaching.com. So I went there, read everything on it, learned a lot from the site, and then um, hired him as a coach. So he coached me for quite a while. I learned a lot. And after a while, he retired. I think he's 70 something years old now. And he said, you know, do you want to buy this domain name from me at a relatively reasonable price? So I said, sure. Was he, was he actually, was that site up and running where like, that's where you found it? Or was it just that he owned the domain and wasn't using it? I mean, it wasn't an interactive quite like this, I'm sure back a long time ago, but was it, was it up and operational? It was, it was basically a, imagine like a coaching profile page for him and another guy. And they had some articles about poker and it was kind of neat. Actually, I remember like you could click on random images and it would send you to random articles. It's like, Oh, check out this hidden article. If you click on my image, it'll take you to the special article where I played this high level hand and it was cool. Interesting. And so anyway, um, it it was already up and functioning and I actually initially planned on making it into a poker coach to poker student, like matchmaking site. Mm Mm-hmm like a marketplace essentially. Okay. But we decided to go against that and instead just make it into what it is today. That's awesome. Well, yeah. So we, just to be clear guys, if you are, we have, we have a giveaway and courtesy of Jonathan today, we're going to give away one year premium coaching membership. That's pretty, pretty hefty value there over a thousand dollars. And that is, uh, that's going to be at the end of the show. So there is uh, just, you know, before we dive in, there's a lot to talk about, but I do want to just understand how, what, what constructs of this, if they're going to sign up, for poker coaching, just to understand what they get. There's quizzes. Uh, there's, it tells you here, there's interactive quizzes, video classes, and webinars. Also, you have some other high-level pros that are involved, and in, I guess they produce content. We, we do. We actually just hired a few more. So there are a few facets of poker coaching. There are the interactive quizzes, where basically it's like you're playing hands in real time, mm-hmm. and you click, let's say, let's say it puts you in a pre-flop scenario. Everyone folds to you. You're on the button. You have whatever, 9-8 suited. Do you fold? No. Do you call no do you raise normal to two and a half big blinds yes you raise to five big blinds no okay. and then you'll get a score for each of those like folding's pretty bad etc so then i will get on there and give give you my thoughts on that scenario okay. so let's say we raise big blind calls flop comes whatever it is they check you have four options again mm-hmm. and then you get a score on each of those options then i'll give you my feedback on each of those options. we ask you how you're going to play your whole range on the button okay and you have to go through, we have a range analyzer program, unless you say which hands you're raising, which hands you're folding, okay? Yeah. Say you raise big blind calls, flop comes 10-6-3, your opponent checks. Now, how do you play your whole range? Which hands are you betting? Which hands are you checking? You need to tell me every single hand in your range, how you're going to break it down. Okay. So basically, it's a range balancing exercise, right? And then let's say you do bet. You should probably bet with 9-8 on, let's say, 10-6-3, because you have a gut shot. Right. Right? So say we bet, opponent calls turns of whatever a queen opponent checks now we have the range that we got through the flop with nine eight ace ten stuff like that right mm-hmm. good made hands and draws for the most part yeah maybe everything on nine six three you know right anyway you have to tell me that's part of the, the exercise okay and so then what do we do on the turn which hands are we betting which hands are we checking and then we go through to the river and there are many many of those we do one of those each month and that takes a long time to go through that exercise of course yeah, it's, and uh... it's it's kind of like homework right if you want to get really good at poker that's a good way to Go about studying in a way that you can then implement that at the table. And um, we'll, I'll often go through and show what a solver we're doing these spots as well. And then a lot of the questions talk about, like, how would you adjust to specific types of opponents, right? Mm-hmm. Like, let's say the opponent in the big blind is a really tight player. You know, maybe you want to be bluffing them a little bit more often, right? right. Against Jeff, if that turns a queen, just bet everything. Just go for it. <laughs> and then just bomb, it's bomb 2020. It's a new year. I'm, I'm sticking on <laughs> this at your own risk. Um, so that's the other aspect. And then we have one more aspect, which are live interactive webinars where you saw some of the other coaches. I've actually been hiring some of the people who I wanted to learn from 
Um, there's a guy, Michael Acevedo, who is like the GTO expert. He helped to bio or develop PO Solver a while back, and he just wrote a book, Modern Poker Theory, that is amazing. Um, also, we have some of the best exploitative players in the world. We have Jonathan Jaffe, who is just a crusher, mm-hmm. and uh, Faraz Jaka, who just came on board as well. And damn, business is good. You're grabbing all the all the crushes. I like. I that. am hiring the people I want to learn from. Right. So it's an easy way for me to get coaching from people. Right. And then share it with that's, everyone. That's amazing. And so uh, the site's not quite updated for them yet, but it will be in the near future. And so we are just continuously expanding the roster to basically let everyone improve and find people they learn to learn. They li- like learning from. Right. And so those are the main aspects of the site. The quizzes, it, the challenges and the interactive webinars. And, and it's nice for you as well, because, you know, you've been in the industry a long time. You've played with these people live. You know them in person. So you're not just like cold randomly going for people you get to know people you like you respect and you see it and get to kind of you've, you've done interviews for years in theory right you can you, you know yeah. who these guys are so that's great so that's poker coaching we'll probably check back on this again at the end again there at the end is we're going to give away the 1188 dollar which is just a ridiculously large giveaway uh that is going to be again a pin pinned one of the tweets up top here you can see all you have to do to uh Ask a question. Actually, we're going to do questions at the end, so you can ask a question for Jonathan. Um, we'll just quickly run through here. You have a very strong Twitter. You, I see you do a lot of posting, a lot of hands. You ask questions. You give scenarios, so very interactive. You also have a YouTube channel. Uh, looks like you just had a fresh video up that, that one of the more interesting hands where uh, someone folds uh, quads on the river, which is pretty pretty rare, right? Normally, you don't want to fold quads, Not but a- I actually think it was a good fold right. in that rare, weird instance where yes. you get five or six bet on the river. Right. When you get six bet on the river. Yeah. And you don't have enough. <laughs> you got to uh, be a little bit careful. It's uh, it's time to maybe step down. There's your um, Instagram as well. Very interactive. And then something I like to do is kind of go down memory lane here. So look at, we can just kind of scroll through here and see a very established career. Obviously you've had two children. So like you said, you're trying to do more stuff at home. That's where the poker coaching uh, website and other things come in. But looking back to you know, relatively similar, I think I started in around this time. It's uh, you, It looks like you got your live career going back in 06. Now, were you playing online before this or, or had was this just like around the same time online and live or were you online first? I started online in 2003 when I turned 18. Okay. And I played... Online Limit Hold'em in the beginning, because No Limit Hold'em wasn't even a game that people really played. And I got to the High Stakes Limit games. Then they introduced sit-and-go tournaments on Party Poker. Mm-hmm. And those seemed like a gold mine, And they were. So I played a whole lot of sit-and-goes between the time I was 18 to 21. And I started with a $50 deposit and turned it to about 350 k by the time I was 21. And then... I started playing live poker. Playing as you see here. Single. Were there turn- MTTs even on there? Almost or? all sit-and-goes. There were no, no tournament scores on that, really. Um... I, I think I chopped Sunday Million on like 2006 or something. So no no scores from the from that period. Of right. I mean, a lot of people, they, they ask, like, how do you build a bankroll? And a lot of people think you just have to get super lucky. But in reality, you just need to find a game that you can beat that has relatively low variance and play it a lot. Right. And you're not going to have any sick, huge scores. But if your graph just trickles up yeah. all the time and you start, you know, you play higher stakes as your bankroll allows. But but that's the fun part too. You could do that and flick in like a sure. like one special tournament a week or a day, you know, mm-hmm. along the way. So you're kind of, you're hedging and then, then have a shot to really bankroll boost or there, there's, there's like you met, there's so many formats now, the knockouts, there's, there's what you can play sit and goes, you can do the zooms. You know, if you find the right stakes, the right format that suits you well, and a lot of people are playing six tables, 12 tables. So if you're like, 
find a spot where you can play really well, do a couple tables. You know, you can, you can, the poker still people, I think sometimes think, Oh, it's like the, the golden years are done, which is sort of true, but at, at, at different stakes, right. Different levels, there is still opportunities and people sure. don't play great. And the game changes a lot. And if you do the work and study and go to, you know, where, what, what websites, um, there's a lot of good, programs out there to learn there are opportunities so yeah so i think poker currently today is a great way to turn a little bit of money into a pretty good amount of money Mm fifty dollars into you know 500k right i think that is definitely doable it's kind of hard to turn you know fifty dollars into five million right but that's fine right (laughs) you know 500k is plenty of money for a lot of people and i think that is definitely doable right if you are really dedicated and work really really hard and uh, you're willing to put in time and effort required to succeed Absolutely. And I mean, like even today, I, a lot of my students, they're just like one, two, no limit players live who are kind of struggling, who want to win money. And I've made lots of them into like winning two, five and five, 10 players. And they're making hundred bucks an hour playing live poker. And that's, you know, that's, that's, do the math. They're making a hundred K a year. Yeah. Right. Just a, with like no variance again. Yeah, that's amazing. And, and just again, I, so I've been working with Razor Edge heavily. There's a, there's a handful of good po- poker coaching or programs out there. Um, you know, I believe it's not, it's not a, anytime there's more information, it's good to sort of look at other things and, and, and see what else is going on. What, who do you target specifically for your coaching site? Cause Razor Edge is a little more advanced. I would say it's, it's very, it's more extreme principles and advanced concepts, not for someone I would say, who's just looking to start out. What, what, who do you target as you are, if you were to look at, if you're talking out there and you're saying, this is my site, this is what I, who I'm targeting. Who is it? Who's your typical player? I am mostly targeting people who are, you know, either losing or break even or small winners at the small and medium stakes. I'm not trying to target the absolute best poker players in the world because they're already sickos anyway. Mm-hmm. Right. And the amount of information I could give them would be useful and helpful, but minimal. Right. Right. And also there really aren't that many of those people anyway. I'm trying to help a lot of people who, you know, come up to me playing these live tournaments saying that they want to win money playing poker. Right. And I realize most people are not win- winning money playing poker. And those are who I am working to help. So I've always tried to keep the price point relatively low. I realize the neat thing about educational poker content is that it's effectively quote unquote free, even mm-hmm. if it is expensive. Like I know Razor Edge is thousand dollars more or something. And it's, yeah. it's, it feels expensive, but if you think about it in terms of you have great players giving you their knowledge condensed into a consumable format, right? It's if, if you like prorate it, think about it, how much does it cost a day? Yeah, and if you're talking like a dollar or $3 it, or something, if you're year. talking about, yeah, you're talking about playing, if you're playing $200, $500, $1,000 buying tournaments, it's yeah. like, you know, even, you, even $50 yeah, buying yeah, tournaments 20, or $5 buying tournaments, like not that many to make justify it. So yeah, right. it's, and it's, so, all, it's all relative. And so then I try to, like, we have the poker coaching membership, it's $40 a month. And that's like really free. So I've tried to make things as consumable as I possibly can while still not going broke, paying all the best players to make the content. Right. There are costs. Yeah, exactly. You got to keep the lights on. Believe it or not, it's not free. It's not free. That's not free. If you all saw this setup Jeff has right here, I would never travel with all this stuff. He has a separate suitcase. He has I like a giant to, monitor. He has a giant microphone. I mean, oh my God. I like to say it's not a hobby, but it, I'll tell you this. I, I say, I'll say this. My, my Twitch over the years, like this, that is the most upsetting, frustrating experience is like even here on the internet, I was telling you that if we do this at nighttime, it might not work, right? Mm-hmm. Like at the point, like you just, there's so many variables of traveling. You've broken your monitors on the road. You know, like a monitor broke. So this monitor is specific to the, what I, it's just, it's like such a headache, right? I'll just say this. Like I, I really do respect you. I respect guys in the industry that I think really go out of their way and do a lot of content. Cause I, I can, I understand how <laughs> ridiculously 
grueling it is, you know, and it's, uh, you have to really want it and, and enjoy it because it is a lot of work. It's not just like, okay, I buy a domain name, throw it up and, and go. So I want to, yeah, I'm acknowledging you. I know you work very hard. And I think, you know, in terms of like the actual, not necessarily just content, but in terms of like coaching information, you know, I've, I've noticed and obviously written 14 books now. It's crazy. Like I'm actually working on one book and, and realizing how intense it is. <laughs> I'm sure it gets a little bit easier, but it's sort of, uh, it's, that's also an undertaking, right? It's hard to do it all keep it all balanced and then have kids and family and play live. And it's not easy. So it is, it's important to figure out what your goals are and what you really want in life. And for example, if you don't really care about having a book, don't write your book. Right. Right. And if you don't really care about having a poker training site, don't have a poker training site, do what you love. Yeah. And then it's never, it never really feels like a grind. Right. Whereas if you do things because you feel like you have to, Mm -hmm. that's when you start to become, like annoyed that yeah. you have to do it. No, I, mean, I, it's, it's, I, I would imagine that you feel this way too. It's kind of like, it's exciting because mm-hmm. when you wake up, you know, there's literally, you're never, you're never ever bored. Like you could literally say, okay, I got to check in with this guy, my site, I need to put up this video. It's almost maybe like too much, but if you have it where a place where you, you get it running and it's operational, then you can kind of do it at your own pace, right? It's like, you mm-hmm. always have something you can do that you're passionate about. That's really what it's all about for sure at the end of the day. And and I keep a big to-do list of things to at least consider, not necessarily that I have to do, but if I wake up and look at the list, feel like doing something, I'll do it. Exactly. And then it's like, I'm I'm ready to do it. It's like, Oh my God, I have to do something on this list. Yeah. Um, I mean, there are times where I will do a big project. Like I just finished this book. It's like selling at tough, no limit hold'em games. It was inspired after my best selling book called selling at no limit hold'em where I got 18 really good poker pros and mindset experts to write about, their level of their, their uh, topic of expertise. Mm. And it was a very great seller because, you know, we're playing well with others like here, you know, yeah. you play well with others, yeah. you work with people, you collaborate. Right. It's not and always a competition or no. like you have to understand there's, there's a value proposition exchange and, and you can learn and get, and just like, I think just like getting better at poker, it's nice to have friends and talk, right? That's mm-hmm. a big way to learn is to chat with other people. Cause if, you know, you think one way play on the button in this spot and and then you hear like a world-class player say, well, I would do this. And then he might say, well, that seems bad. You know, these little things, you need to be able to collaborate. You need to be able to, to let your guard down and, and not always think you know best. I think that's right. important too. Well, so that's how that first excelling book came about is I realized I was traveling around the world and I'll just like go out to lunch with good people or be on someone's podcast or yeah. whatever. I'm talking with all the best players in the world. And I wanted to try to figure out a way to bring that to the masses. Yeah. So I had each of them write a chapter on what they're great at and, and the book was wildly successful. Go figure, right? That's awesome. Turns out having a lot of people write exactly about what they're best at is really useful. Cool. Give us some, who are some of the people? Um, so for heads up, we had Olivier Bousquet. It's like one of the best heads up players. Yeah. We had Phil Helmuth write a chapter on short stack play. Um, comparing Positivity it to, or, or, or uh, no, not actual poker? Actual short stack poker. Okay. And he wrote it with Liv Boree. Nice. So we had like GTO computer compared to Phil Helmuth strategy mm-hmm. in the same chapter. So that was pretty cool. White magic. Yeah, White Magic Chapter. Nice. Um, that was a lot of fun. We had like Jared Tendler, Elliot Rowe, mm. Trisha Carter. Those are some of the like best mindset, mindset experts yeah. in the world. We had Matt Affleck. We had Scott Clements. Like a, a lot of just great, really great players. Yeah. The people who I like. Right. People who I like, people who I work with. I mean, Matt Affleck is a coach on poker coaching now because mm-hmm. I loved his work. That's right. Awesome. And you continue working with people. Like we had Alex Fitzgerald, Assassinato. He's now a poker coaching coach as well. And so, how, how have those books you've written 14? How, when, and how. Talk to me a little bit about that. How is, uh, how have they all done relatively similar? Have some been like, not, you were like disappointed in the result of how it turned, like what the, the overall, uh, I guess either how you would gauge it in sales or how it was perceived versus like the, the like the one you just mentioned was so good. And what do you think was the difference between one, the best and maybe one that didn't perform as well? 
quite often the promotion of the book is very important. Mm -hmm. Like, for example, I had a cash game book that kind of got lost in terms of promotion mm. and didn't really get promoted in terms of that didn't sell, sell very well. Right. Right. Um, but at the same time, like a lot of people don't really care for a cash game quiz book, mm-hmm. which is what that one was. Okay. And fine. Right. I don't really like get disappointed about things. Like if it just doesn't sell well, you know, okay, good learn right. and right. don't do more of that. Right. right. And if people love that excelling, excelling series, make another one. So a few years ago, I realized that I need to make sure I'm staying at the top of the poker economy right mm-hmm. and so i started working with a poker backing site called pokar that backs a lot of people in online poker tournaments you've probably seen their avatars if you play online mm-hmm. and they have a private training site there so i started studying everything i can because i love studying that kind of stuff it's actually how the book modern poker theory came about is their gto expert was michael acevedo i'm like oh my god this guy's content is amazing and he's uh, and, he's one of the ones who started ps solver yeah and now he's a poker coach and coach as well and we had a whole book come out of the fact that um, you know, I, I like the content. And so anyway, they have a bunch of coaches there and I have basically taken their content that I thought was really, really great mm-hmm. and made another 500 page book out of it with some of the best players in the world, like, um, Abe Styles, you know, mm-hmm. John Van Fleet. Yeah. I think he was showing a graph the other day. I like, I don't even know, some insane amount of caches this year yeah, on GG. Um, we have like uh, draft ganger. He's like, he was number one in the world for a while. And, um, he's a really funny guy. His Twitter and oh, yeah. he's like, lives with like goats and streams yeah. from like, a. Or not streams plays from this like farm on like it looks like it you know <laughs> the last piece I need for that book is a picture of him so I skyped him while I was sitting here in the room with you with you before we got started he's like sorry I'm in full hobo mode just grab one yeah. off the internet <laughs> that seems funny um, we have really like funny. Rob Tenyon who won Sunday Million twice um, so anyway a lot of great players there and it's again just me trying to learn from people who are better than me and then share that with all of you so let, let that's coming a- out of the World Series let me ask you something about. PO Solver in particular, these type of software training sites, how important do you think they are? And do you feel that a, a professional, like you hear Bryn Kinney, you know, he was on my podcast recently, number one all-time earner, just won 20 million in the, the 1 million pound, first place, whatever, got the most money, made a deal and got second. He says, I don't do any of that stuff, which not saying he was lying. I'm sure he, and he's aware of it, right? He knows about it. Maybe he's looked at it or glanced or talks about it. He says he's very aware. How important do you think that is to do some, not only just on a coaching platform, but to really to dive into a tool such as Peel Solver and do like hardcore work like that? Is that, is that a mandatory to be the best or is that would help, but necessarily don't have to? What's your stance on these type of tools? I don't think you personally have to use it yourself, but you need to at least be aware of the, principles that come out of it. Right. Right. And so for example, the poker coaching challenges, the way we break down the hands, the way I teach my students to break down the hands, turns out it's pretty close to what the solver's doing. Mm-hmm. It's not perfect because the solver does a lot of like mixing strategies. Right. It's like close enough. And I think it's very important to know roughly the fundamentally sound strategy, but you also need to know how to adjust away from it. Because which I think like Brent Kenny probably knows pretty close to the fundamentally sound strategy. Right. But he's really good at adjusting away from it. Right. Like maybe one of the best in the world. Right. And if for example, there are plenty of spots where, let's say you're normally supposed to bluff only 30% of the time. If you know your opponent bowls too often, you're supposed to bluff 100% of the time. And he probably just does it. Right. And he know, he, he's aware he's aware of population tendencies. Mm-hmm. I was talking to Rainer Kempe one time in March of last year at the, in uh, Brazil. And he was making, making a really interesting point about that population tendencies. Mm-hmm. And you just need to be... You, you need to be aware of what's actually happening at the moment. Because what happened six months ago is like a standard button play you know things change right so if you're not in tune to like what the norm is you're not gonna be able to exploit it right right and that's important right 
So it's very important. And that, but the appeal solver in particular, like I'm the kind of guy, I don't mind studying. I like, I like learning, but that type of stuff is intimidating. Well, appeal. I'll tell you what to do. You need to outsource it. Right. That's what I do. I know players, that, exactly. There's <laughs> the guys that use it and they get a coach or someone that shows them that, hey, because like you said, you don't need to go and do every hand and plug it in. But if you look at examples and are, they show you how to use it and then you look at it, now it's going to trigger mm-hmm. similar to an ICM, ICM spot. Yeah. If you look at, well, ace 10 off, you look at a really close spot if you're supposed to call or fold. It's nice because you're not just learning that one spot. You now have a, a chart in this scenario where you actually get to see, oh, right, well, what, what would I have done? Ace jack suited is definitely a call. But ace nine off is also a call. And this is like the type of stuff that triggers. So I, I think that's well, things that, like quizzes, right? Yes. I mean, that like t- testing yourself in these scenarios is very important. That's why we have that as part of poker coaching. I made that to be a site that I wanted to have coming up. And then I realized, oh, my gosh, we already made that. We did it. Now, what do I want? Well, now I want a site for now, right? Which is why I've been building it out further. And it's why like, I hired Michael Osmato, the GTO expert, to make content because that's a way of outsourcing it and just giving it to all the students there. Absolutely. And like just the other day, he did, he went through a major online final table where he used the solver to go through a lot of major hands with ICM implications and showed how that kind of thing changes. Right. So now we have GTO on top of ICM and a lot of people just aren't doing that stuff. I don't know how to do that stuff. I don't know how to do it. I couldn't plug it in if I had to. Exactly. And that's okay. Right. Because I know the guy who can. Right. And fortunately the guy who can is happy to work with me. That's awesome. Because you know, you got to play well with others. It's important to play well with others. That's a must. All right, a lot of people don't realize that poker is not really a like a solitary game. It may feel like it. It may look like it. But at the end of the day, all the best players in the world, for the most part, have some people around them. Even those crew. who say they don't, right. they, they, they actually not, do. They're not living in a hole by themselves. They go to dinner with people. They talk to people. They have a couple. Even if you have one or even two. Even one or two. That are, that's all that sometimes it takes. Let's run through, because I always love to do this. Let's look through your career here a bit, kind of just go back to, so you're playing online. You said you grinded $50 the dream. You know, like I, I, I did similar, some $50 deposits on party poker, as a matter of fact. Nice that I'm actually, that's who I'm with now. And I, that's nice to say that was like the original site I ever played on. But same. Yeah, it was uh, It was a great. Those were the, the golden years. You well, now, hold on. Let me give you a story before we, yeah. before we even, I think we're right at the beginning of 2006. Okay. In 2006, I was like the, I, I was a person who paid the most rake on party poker. Okay. I was playing all the sit and go 16 tabling and they flew us out to Vegas to just like have a party. Me and like 10 other guys who were oh, the, the, OG, the, the biggest OG, yeah. raking people. Turned out they were all the best sit and go players because okay. <laughs> they, it was $200 plus $15 right, so rake, exact. which is not actually that much money. It's not insane or anything, but 16 when you're six tabling in 12 hours a, a day. Lot. Yeah. Right. So we went out to Vegas and um, got to hang out with Mike Sexton. I remember we went to Prime at Bellagio and I took my mom out there. It was, it was a lot of fun. So That's Party awesome. Poker was already treating me pretty well. Love that. Thank you, Party Poker. Yes, they're, they're still around, still <laughs> still killing it. So that's that's a, that's very cool. That's uh, Yeah, that was like the original back in the day, early early stuff here. We then see you go live. You play. Do you remember this? Do you remember playing your first live tournament? I do. I, was, um, I turned 21 in December, and then in January, I went to Tunica. Is that some Tunica? Um, yeah, Tunica. Yes. Tunica, Mississippi. And... Uh, I was the young, dumb kid. I, I remember my mom made me take traveler's checks. So I took like $10,000 in traveler's checks. <laughs> it turns out you have to sign each one of them before you use it. Okay. Each check is $100. So I had, had to sign my signature $100. All right. I went there. I think I cashed like the first tournament I played. I thought, okay, this is just great. I'm going to win all the money. Look at the payouts back then. That's interesting. First place in a $500 tournament was $170,000 for Greg Murkow. He's still around, actually. That's wow. funny. That's, there you go. Uh, $170K for a $500 tournament back in 2006 mm-hmm. in Tunica. So anyway, um, I cashed the first tournament. I think I cashed the second tournament. I'm like, all right, this is it. I'm just going to win everything. Right. And then I 
didn't win much of anything for the next year. <laughs> yeah, well, it, it, did, it looks like you played the the cruise, which is cool too, because this is like the original as well. The, uh, the party poker yeah, party million poker cruise. million on on cruise. What was that like? I, I don't know anyone really. I've never talked to him. Who's been on? Oh my god, it was that. a lot of fun. I remember. I don't recognize many of these names. Kenneth James, Mike so. Schneider is like he was like the best limit holdem player for a long time. I actually final table another limit holdem tournament with him. Okay. In the future, you know Kenneth James. Yeah, I don't recognize a lot of these names. Uh, who else do we have? I don't know. Anyway. Yeah. It was a limit hold'em tournament, right? Oh, yeah, that's right. They did so. This was imagine a limit, limit five hundred person dollar buy-in tournament. It's no, 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 ten thousand dollar buy-in. Yeah, ten thousand five hundred. Five hundred. So anyway, I got my way into that by playing a two thousand dollars sit and go on party poker, and um, I played a lot of sit and goes back then. So like, I was, I think I had five hundred then plus these two K step tournaments. And I went there. I took my parents on the cruise. They loved it. I remember seeing like Barry Greenstein there. I was, I was starstruck from all the people I saw on TV. Right. Right. And I remember Phil Ivy was there and I think he busted on day one and then took a private jet out of Jamaica or somewhere. <laughs> wow, that's, that's hilarious. <laughs> I remember thinking, wow. All right. This guy's, that guy's a boss. It. Yeah. <laughs> so that was a lot of fun. All right. So that's okay. So you, you play a 10 K buy and you want a satellite. You're there. Now let's fast forward a bit and you get now, not long after, but 2007, you score in the Bahamas, a nice, I mean, these are, these are like the, the ma- massive tournaments back in the PCA days and you get a, a big score there, final table. What was that like? That was that was this was this a turning point in your career to hit that big score to that intellectual <sighs> bankroll or not really. It was kind of an interesting scenario back then because I just made a deal with a backer before I was playing all my on by myself, and I think I lost like 150k in the first year of playing. Okay. So I had like 300 something k. I lost 150 of it. So I made a deal with a backer where it was kind of a weird convoluted deal where neither of us knew if we wanted to be in poker for forever. Mm-hmm. So what we did is I I said I will play 500k in buy-ins. Okay. Okay. Any amount I get above 500K in caches, we'll split 50-50. So I can make up deal kind of, mm-hmm. right? Except for it's period over after 500K in buy-ins. Okay? okay. So I cashed for 320K or whatever it was, but I got none of it in theory. Got none of it because that was right at the beginning of the deal. Oh, wow. And so I now have to play 500K worth to see what we get back. Okay. I ended up making a lot of money on the back end, but I actually got none of the money. In theory, got none of the money right. initially. It was almost like, okay, here's my... He's sort of free rolling. Yeah, Which is different when you would have got, like, let's just say 150K right away. Right. He would have. Then, then I just would have quit. He would have got his money and that would have been it. Yeah. Interesting. Um, okay. Steady, steady won all the money. Yeah. Cause then, shout out to Tom Dwan. Thank you. Oh, really? That was there, it was, <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. They're back to everyone back in the day. That's crazy. Actually, I kind of vaguely remember that, but I, that, that, uh, yeah. So I see then you go over here. Let's, I just love to run through because uh, we'll, we'll fast forward a bit, but the early stages. So you, so then, so I guess you're in the same situation, April, you score 146 K that's cool. And then boom, the big one. So this is when, uh, this is the 2007 there. There's a nice, happy Jonathan little, looks, I guess from a different tournament, maybe an EPT, but you that did. That is from a different tournament. <laughs> yeah. But, but you uh, win a million. So what, I mean, what was this like? This has, I mean, it's a seven figure score. That has to be, that was significant, no? It was significant. And the problem is, is that I, I, I don't know, my, like my, my, my mindset was not right or something. I think I was, I just generally didn't care. And I think it's because I played a lot of poker and I was trained to be so desensitized to the swings that it's like, yeah, cash for a million. Like I said, I got half of that. So I got 500K. That's nice. And then uh, I just kept playing. Um, so it's, it is, it is life-changing money. If I wanted today, I'd be ecstatic. Mm-hmm. But back then, I actually remember winning. I, I was heads up, and I got in with like ace two against ace, a better ace, and I spiked it two twos. Wow! And I was just kind of annoyed that I got in bad <laughs> on TV. It's like, well, that's annoying. And then that was my thought as I won, and that's that's like such a asinine thought process, right? But um, 
Boom. So you, sorry, what, being honest, it's what yeah, it was. So, and it was it was awful. But you had, <laughs> so after this, that you had you had covered the 500k buy-ins, or was this uh, still? I think this was actually the second. Maybe uh, I don't know. I don't know. It's all it all gets muddled. Right. But it was okay. So a huge score. I know I got half of it. So and then that much. and then not long after, you get a second for a huge score again at. Uh, it was Niagara Falls. So this was to Scott Clements, who's now, you said, now, uh, he was a part of my book, book. Yeah. So he gets second, the legend TJ Cloutier. I mean, he's a pretty legendary. That's not TJ Cloutier, a different guy. Oh, okay. David Cloutier, but, but Barry, Greenstein, <laughs> Barry Greenstein legend as well. There you go. With Ivy at the last one. I mean, so you're, you're getting in there, you're in the mix, pretty exciting. And you're, you're hitting some big scores. What was, was this? Uh, I mean, at this point, you're just, are you still playing online all the time? Mm-hmm. Or you, you're just mixing live and online. This was back before black Friday, right? So you could go to stops. You could be anywhere in the U S and Vegas. You're playing online. You're playing the live tournament. So correct. What you were doing, what was the breakdown of both? Was it a mixture? I was just playing, I was playing a lot of live poker. I would always play like Sunday online tournaments at that point. And I, it's, I'm not exactly sure when party poker closed to Americans. You know the date on that? Yeah, it was 2006. Okay. uh, So after 2006, the sit and goes got really bad because all the good regulars from party poker kept playing on the other sites, mm -hmm. mainly stars back then. And all the recreational players just quit. So you basically have twice as many regs in the high stakes sit and goes. Right. Which killed the ROI. They went from like 10% ROI to like 2% ROI. Okay. Um, back then, they did not have any sort of frequent player rewards program. So just to give an idea, good. if you're playing two 15s and you're 16 table and you're basically saying you're making like $20 roughly or... $20 a game. Right. Times 16, 320. Right. Plus rate back, which was another 100 something an hour. Right. So you have 500, 600 an hour roughly. Yeah. And you can play more than 16 an hour. You really play like 25 an hour. Right. But 16 maybe is like... Where you feel like you're playing twenty five. Oh no, I would play sixteen, but if one bust if you busted yeah. one, you'd load up another. Right. So you were just playing them all at the same time. Right. Crazy. So so when and then So that up? that died then. So then I started playing more tournaments in live poker. That's mm-hmm. when I really shifted the focus. So it was actually maybe a blessing in a way to, to sort of I don't know. I'll still take five hundred an hour all day. Take five hundred. <laughs> I don't know. But you're hitting million dollar scores though. It's nice. That's true. Yeah. So it was maybe, fortunate. Yeah. So it worked out. Now tell us tell us a little bit about your deal you did sign with full tilt so when did that happen when did you get did you get approached because the deals were crazy back then you know you see stars full tilt there was 60 80 players there you make a final table at the world series or giving money to wear a patch like it was it was wild times like when did you get a deal and how did that come about it was right before um right before that niagara falls final table they approached me and scott clements okay and they said we are going to give you 100 rate back and then your hourly rates can be determined on the place you finish if you win, you get, I think, like 90 bucks an hour. For this you, tournament, right? For this tournament, right here. Wow. If you win, you get 90 an hour. If you take second, you get 60 an hour. If you take third, you get 50 an hour. If you take any of the other spots, you get 30 wow. an hour. Wow. So it's almost like you're going to gamble here for your hourly rates. Holy shit. <laughs> and you guys happen to go one, two. We happen to go one, two. Yeah, and a spot like this, and any of these major, so you have two WPT major wins. You have a second, um, some other massive scores. What are your... Do you, do you ever do deals? Does it depend on the friends? Like in a spot like this, 800,000, it's over double. Yeah, that was First a lot of fun. Second. Is that, was that a, do you, do you, is it, did you, were you and Scott friendly then or not really? Or you just knew of each other? Were you good friends then? We were not good friends but, then. We were friendly, but there was, I've never had a deal discussion for any of these big tournaments. You've never talked deal. You no. just go for it. 800K, you don't. And you know, it. I think I probably have a better mindset than most people when it comes to money mm-hmm. and like, I just don't care. I don't know how to tell you. I just don't care. <laughs> You're numb to it, which is yeah. what's important. It's and important to be the highs and lows too. If you go on a bad downswing, if you, if you lose, you could lose. I mean, what's the most tournaments you've probably never in the live scene did not cash in a row. I mean, stuff happens. Twice I've lost, I think 40 in a row. 
no caches. 40 times showing up to a live event, not cashing. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of fun. It's insane, right? <laughs> so, I mean, if you're, if you're not that, like you're talking about mentally, that takes, that's, you got to be able to, that's not easy. Right? Both that's times serious. we're at the World Series. It's actually interesting. I don't, like, maybe I wasn't playing great. I don't know. It's tough to say because that's I remember no, every day. Say, if, you, if you don't catch 40 in a row, something's not right. I mean, well, I'll tell you what wasn't right is every day I'd play. I'd get like two or three starting sacks in the first two levels. I'd get it all in like Ace King or Queens or something at the end of the day and I'd bust. Okay, so Happened every day. Yeah. <laughs> it was wow. sick. I just lost like every flip at the end of day one. Holy shit. That's pretty insane. And, you know, so I had no caches. But I mean, even then, like getting a cash doesn't matter. Say I had five caches and a 40, it doesn't matter. Right. What really matters is are you making deep runs? That's that's super, very interesting point because, you know, you get you see guys like Alan Kessler, he gets a lot of shit on the tour <laughs> for being, they say, tight or complaining, whatever, right? But Chainsaw, they call him Kessler, which is hilarious because it's like, <laughs> implying that he's like, yeah, he's like, he's like, <laughs> mowing wild, you down. He's like, you know, <laughs> so tight. But yeah, you're right. You could have to set the record for caches in the summer and have a losing summer or just, you know, you want to get those top threes. You want to give yourself a chance. And I, I think, um, that's a, that's an interesting point, right? You'd yeah. rather not cash 40 in a row and then go get that million dollar score than cash 12 for min cash. Right. So, I mean, I think, um, and that's I, I don't even remember when it happened. That's but a like, very interesting mentality. Cause I don't think many people even understand that as like, they don't, that's like a little bit hard to grasp. Right. I mean, yeah, you, it's kind of like a parlay, you know, whenever you gamble at anything where you usually lose, like, you know, you're going to usually lose and that's okay. Mm-hmm. It's cool to usually lose, right? That's that's the game we signed up for, which is why I'm telling everyone out there, if you really want to grow a bankroll and not have big downswings right. ever, just find a game you can beat and play it a lot. And find a low-variance game you can beat and play it a lot. Um, like back in the day, sit and goes were it. Like, like I said, if you can just get your 5 or 10% ROI and grind it out, you're printing money. Sit and goes are not nearly as good as they used to be. They are at the tiny stakes, but you're not going to get rich playing them. So now I think you need to be playing cash games or small field tournaments which are great. Small field tournaments still exist. And if you can play hundred person tournaments, you'll have pretty low variance. Mm-hmm. But if you're playing like out here, like yesterday, we took, I took uh, 18 place in a thousand person tournament. And I think I got 16 K, which was even a bigger than normal payout. And it's good and fortunate, but even then 16 buy-ins, it's like, I'm not going to get rich off that. Right. You need to actually win. And if I want, I would have got 150 K and then it's right. a good score, but that just doesn't happen all that often. Yeah, I had the I got twelfth in the exact same tournament at the Bahamas, the last stop. Same thing. It's yeah. like you beat a thousand people, you get twelfth, and you get like I got like eight cakes. It wasn't the top twenty ten k bonus. And it's yeah. sort of like scratching your head, you know. <laughs> it's, it's like what just happened? I just <laughs> day four, and I made no, didn't really get much money. But but that yeah. thing is, you got eight buy-ins. The problem is, is that you're playing high stakes tournaments, right? So you can shoot that off in the very next tournament. Right? Yeah, yeah, it's it's it, it, yeah, it's funny how it works. Um, all right, so. Very cool. Interesting to know. It's also interesting to know about deals because, like, I, I that's, uh, that's. I mean, I have made some deals. Right. I, I have I actually have a, a blog post on my on JonathanLittlePoker.com. Like, I think you just search Jonathan Little. Let's not make a deal. I go through, go through <laughs> all the reasons why you should probably not make a deal, unless you're just getting paid to make a deal. Right. If there, you're getting too sick of a equity deal, yeah. Your spot, your chips are worth. But there was one somewhere in here where um, I was heads up with JC Tran at a Bellagio tournament and. There's some like weird pay player of the year implications or something for him. And he was basically going to like pay me $3,000 to make an even deal. Mm-hmm. So like you're going to pay me $3,000 against the player of the year. Right. Sure. <laughs> you know, yes, that seems reasonable. And like, um, I think I chopped the Sunday million one time and they gave me $10,000 more than I should have. So it's like, sure. Right. But if it's just like a straight, even deal, you need to play and you need to get experience. You need to have, you got to feel it a little too, right? You want to, you want to have a, sh- you want to, mm-hmm. you want you got to, you got to, you want to feel the emotion or you want to be able to in a pressure situation, right? You I don't play. feel the emotion. 
No, because I, I have not made deals. <laughs> but I'm saying, yeah, but I'm saying that's an advantage then. Oh, yeah. Like when you're there again and you plan on playing, it's one thing, listen, if you're an amateur or wreck and you're playing once a year or five times a year, I get it. You play a $500,000 tournament, you're down to four handed <laughs> and you're getting to, like, get to lock up the equity. Like, I Well, you it. should make a deal and it's life changing money. Right. That's but true. It's often not life changing money once you start playing relatively high stakes. Like right there, whenever I won the million dollars in, in Mirage, mm-hmm. if I, I knew it was going to get 500K if I won or like 300K if I got second, something like that. And I already had 300k to my name. Does really doubling that make all that much of a difference? It's like depends. Eh, but yeah, yeah, not really. I get it. I, I'm with you. I'm with you. But anyway, if you're playing small stakes games, let's say you normally play hundred dollar, three hundred dollar tournaments, whatever, you should basically never be making deals in your regular game because you're just not getting experience for when you actually do go and play against um, against the high stakes players, right? Because like in that thousand dollar tournament yesterday, if I got heads up with literally anyone, I'm just not going to make a deal. Right. Just not doing it. They brought up Jonathan Jaffe, yeah, new poker say, coaching coach. I was just going to say, he's on your site as well, and he went one, two here. And at the time, were you guys friendly or knew each other well or not really either? We did not know each other. It's a long at time all. ago. It's 12, 12 But years um, he was, uh, he's fun to play with. And he's, uh, he's, he's seems like a good person, right? He, yeah. And it, it just shows, like, you know, I beat him heads up for whatever this was, 700K. He was a gracious loser, and we became friends. I actually met my wife because of him. Um, oh, really? At the PCA, I was there, and if you used to go to the PCA, you know they always lose your money when you wire money in. Just always do. So every, all the good pros knew to show up a day ahead of time. Okay. So all the good pros showed up a day ahead of time. And uh, you know Atlantis, where it used to be, it, it's a gigantically long it's a resort. It's like a, a mile long or something. It's ridiculous, yeah. And the nice hotels are a long way away from the tournament area. Mm-hmm. So fine. I go down there, try to get my money the day ahead of time. They say we lost it. I know that already. So then... They say come back in a few hours, which they always do. So either the option is to walk all the way back to the room yeah. or hang out in that area, which was marginally nice, not particularly nice. Okay. But I was there. Jonathan Jaffe was there. And he said, why don't you play a $100 sit and go with me, four other good heads up, no limit players, and their four girlfriends. Okay. So it's me, four guys, four girls. So there was... Playing a $100, not a heads up sit and go, $100 sit So the other, there was three guys with their girlfriends plus one because it wasn't, she wasn't someone's girl, boyfriend or she was? This girl's not here yet. Okay. Me, four guys, four girls. Okay. Okay. So we're playing, and then this girl walks up behind me, and I knew she was not with any of the guys at the table, okay. which has like never happened in the history of poker. Right. It's a very rare spot, yeah. Because you know, if somebody's standing behind watching someone, usually they're with someone. Yes. And I know it's not me, okay. so it's one of those people, right. right? But I knew that wasn't the case this time. Well, it was four and four already. It was four and four already, yeah, and there was, yeah. which has never happened. <laughs> right. But who was your girl part? I didn't have a girl there. It was just... So I was single. There was three guys who no. had, all had a girlfriend. Four guys. Right. I'm sorry, four guys, four girls. But you were one of the four guys. I was a fifth guy. Oh, okay. So there was nine. Yeah. You were the odd... There was I was the odd guys. one out. Okay, so you were the only non-partnered. Yes. Okay. Yes. Got it. Okay, fine. We got the situation. I got now. it. it was four guys, clear. four girls, plus, plus. Randall. Um, so anyway, we chatted up. I... Bust the tournament. We go and have a quesadilla. Did you and put her in for a hundred to make it ten handed? No, she. The tournament was already running. All right. Um, we go to Atlas Grill or bar or whatever you know in the casino where they used to have it. It's gone now too. Everything's everything yeah. good is gone. It's different. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Bahamar, shout out to Bahamar. Bahamar is amazing. Ridiculous. Maybe the best stop on tour. I am. I'm never going to miss the Bahamar See you in November stop. there too. Yes. I've we'll been there it. the first two Novembers. I will be there every November. All right. Look. Um, so anyway, Atlas wifey. Potential. Yeah. She. She left. She she it was her last day of a New Year's Eve trip. With two other girlfriends. Girl, okay, sure. Two girlfriends, but they like had a weird spat or something mm. right at the entrance of the poker area. And those two girls went their own separate way. And you so now she's by herself. Okay. Which you know I probably would not have talked to three girls. Right. Doing their own thing. Right. Everything had to work out just right. Okay. So anyway, she leaves. Um, we chat on Facebook a bit, 
I had just coached a guy, Steve Beglider, for the World Series Poker Final Table, the main event, and uh, he took fifth. He didn't win. Um, but anyway, he was having a charity tournament on a aircraft carrier in New York City okay. where the girl happened to live. So I figured I'll go play his charity tournament. I'll yeah. hang out with the girl. I was um, staying at a hotel that was like $500 a night or something, which was way too expensive. Yeah. And she said, why don't you come stay with me? Oh, hello. She made oh. it. Nice. So then I moved in and now we're married and have two kids. Look at that. About 10 years ago. There you go. That's a nice, that's running good too. That's a, that's a bit of a crazy. <laughs> Everything has to work out right. Everything. It's a, uh, it's, there's a plan out there. That's, that's crazy. So, so anyway, if Jonathan Jaffe was not a nice person and cool with me beating about $700,000 heads up or whatever. It was. Oh, cause this was after that was after it. Yeah. Uh, if he was not nice, I never right. would have met my wife. Man. And now he'll teach you how to play poker on pokercoaching.com. There you go. I love it. All right, let's go. We're, I don't want to go through. I mean, this is only 2008. And just to give an idea how many. It was a very cool site, by the way. I don't know how you get to kind yeah. of relive your career. They have the flags. You get to see the place, the in, the uh, tournament info. So we're not going to run through the entire. That would be ridiculous. But I do want to just, I want to hit a couple more. So this was then 2008. This was against Jonathan Jeff. We covered this 1.1 million. At this point, you're on your own or are you? You, I think I still had, I think I redid the same deal because I did some math and realized how good it was. Right. All right. <laughs> if, so, if you're in a makeup deal and it resets when you're down. Right. That's pretty, pretty, pretty good. Pretty good deal. So you get a 1.8 million score. Tell me, so you, when did, I'm sorry, you, so you, you signed with Full Tilt in October 20, 2007. They were literally there, like someone's there and like talks before the final table. They had a few representatives that would just travel around to all the poker tournaments because they, they just wanted patches on TV. Mm-hmm. And they had infinite money they were trying to give away. So is that fair to say, like, you were, you you had already won a World Poker Tour title, but you were here, and if that's how you got a full tilt deal, basically. You were, yeah. you, I mean, you were already established. You weren't a random guy, so they maybe weren't just giving to everyone that all. They weren't giving it to everyone. They were giving like it. Notable yeah. pros that were there. So yeah. you get this deal of full tilt. Talk to me a little about what that means and how much, because the deals were pretty insane back then and how they were structured. So what you, you mentioned the hourly and that was 100% rake back, mm-hmm. right? So then what? So now this is uh, 2007. And how long are you a full tilt pro for? Well, I, unfortunately, not very long because I was an idiot. Right. <laughs> this is the one, the one thing I did want to cover. Uh, that, that again, not controversy, but I didn't know about this. And my dad very makes notes and he did reference this. And I had never heard this, but tell me a little bit about what happened here and what happened with a full tilt. So like I said, I was getting 100% rake back and the hourly rate. Give me a give me a perspective on what that means with the hundred percent rate back with what you're doing. How much that's worth a year? Well, I don't know. You could probably make like six or seven hundred an hour, roughly, doing that. Mm. Playing playing lots of sitting. Those like I was already doing, right? I mean, that's yeah, right. I was already at like the highest volume. So basically, the only difference. Well, it's a big difference, right? Because a hundred percent rate back is insane. The difference was thirty percent rate back plus ninety dollars an hour, mm-hmm. right? The hourly rate didn't really matter. What mattered was the rate back, okay? Because you could put in a lot of rake, right? Um, so anyway, I was playing all day every day. I was. I mean, literally 18 hours a day, all day, every day. Mm-hmm. And I was getting burnt out very quickly. And one of my friends approached me and said, hey, why don't you just let me play on the account half the time? That way we make use of this account. We knew of other people who were doing the exact same thing. And clearly it was wrong. I knew it was wrong at the time. And I guess I just didn't care or just seemed like too good of an offer or something. But right. obviously that's not a good a good reason because don't defraud people, right. <laughs> you know? So anyway... Um, I was in Australia playing a tournament and my friend was in America playing on full tilt mm-hmm. and full tilt found out and rightfully so they banned me and they took um, the 250k that was in the account rightfully so and I learned a good lesson that day to not break rules yeah. it's very important out there uh, that- don't make don't do anything to get yourself in trouble don't do anything out of line 
Instead, like try to help people, try to build people up and try to add value. Do the opposite of what I was doing as a young, dumb kid. Well, that's uh, very admirable you to, to acknowledge that, talk about it and even, you know, just kind of uh, relive that because that is that. I mean, that, that must have been when that happened. That was probably pretty like you must have just it must have been like, wow, what the hell? Like I had to, I had like such a golden ticket and I yeah. it got greedy a bit. And it's <laughs> like, you know, and then in your head, because because even that even like just from a logistics standpoint, like that makes it like you're saying, you're not even thinking about IPs or whatever. But like someone playing online while you're in a live tournament doesn't make sense. Right. Like, well, no, I wasn't in the live tournament. I was in Australia. Oh, so it's like, oh. So when you were not at the table, like you're out or whatever, you were just yeah. Like, yeah. So anyway, okay. Not that, well, it, not that it matters. It's um, irrelevant. True. I'm just doing something that you knew was not exactly right. You learned from it. You got the right. You acknowledged it as a lesson that you learned that you know shapes a lot of maybe. It's something that it was 12 years ago. You yeah. learned from it. It was actually kind of funny the way it happened because um, I, I see this weird weird lock symbol for the um, NBC Heads Up tournament. I took fifth place in there, and I lost to Chris Ferguson. <laughs> who ended up winning the tournament. You all know he has a fun full tilt story. And then I got an email like one minute after I busted. <laughs> Apparently someone was following it. Then they said, you're banned from full tilt. <laughs> uh, so they, they stuck it to me. So sick. Why is um, that locked? What does that even mean? Lock means that it was an invite only. Ah, um, okay. So, cause they, they capped it at 64 people or something. Right. Yeah. I remember so anyway, doing this for a while and then that was a very important lesson and turning point for me because before I was really just playing poker to make money and I didn't really care about anyone or anything. Then I realized, oh my God, I screwed up. I hurt some people out there and I did not do right. And I learned a lesson and I righted my course. I did my best to write my course. And I've not broken the rule since. Because it turns out if you break the rule, sometimes you get punished. There you go. And, and also it's just not the right thing to do, right? You want to have integrity. You want to do good things. My parents taught me better than that. And I don't know, I don't, I don't know where my mindset went wrong, but made mistakes and I tried to do better. Fair enough. Absolutely. And then, so you didn't have to stew too long though. And over that mistake you do, that's then you did have uh, later that year, you had another monster score. It's pretty crazy, right? Like even talking about skill, talking about luck poker in a tournament to actually take, especially these are like, you know, the heights of some of these tournaments and, and the prize pool and the, and the place, the amount of money to actually take first numerous times, right? It's pretty crazy. Cause like, yeah, I was lucky. <laughs> I mean, it's, there's no way, like, you, obviously to get there, you have to know exactly what you're doing. But at the end of the day, it comes down, there's flips, you have to hold three to ones, four to ones, you know, you have to, whatever. So all those things being said, I mean, well, so I will you can say, see the difference between yeah. like sixth or fifth, even out of 400 and first and second. It's just massive scores. Back then they were way more top heavy. But also I had a lot of final table experience from playing all those sit and goes. Right. Because yeah. I mean, I probably played, I don't know, 50,000 sit and goes or something. It's like 50,000 final table scenarios. Right. Against the best sit-and-go players in the world. Yeah. So now this is like a final table with people who are not sit-and-go pros. I mean, they're good tournament pros, but they're not sit-and-go pros. Yeah, and how, how often do people really play heads-up? How often do people play three-handed? And right. you're like, you're just doing this all day long. Sick, right. Um, every I was time. quite good at it. And I was actually kind of unlucky to get heads-up and uh, at Foxwood, or where was this? Yeah, Foxwoods against Jonathan Jaffe because he was the biggest winner on on uh, online heads-up sit-and-goes. Mm. So I was like, oh, that's not good. <laughs> but I knew from playing the sit-and-goes, all right, I'm playing against a good player with you know, the right thing to do is just be really aggressive. Mm-hmm. And he actually told me just a few years ago that he looked back and watched it, that I probably just like crushed him in terms of equity because he was folding too much. He didn't realize that I was just hyper adjusting and playing very aggressively against them and making him fold out a lot of these medium and small size pots. Right. Absolutely. And I had a lot of experience playing that exact format, which is why I think you actually see a lot of the best sit and go players from back in the day crushing like like justin bonimo was a grinder and stevie 444 is a grinder yeah, and he was, uh, now these players are still the best players in the world and there's a lot of value to knowing how to close out the tournament 
For sure. Well, and just again, we're not going to just go, we're just going through. So, okay, you've been playing, you play tournaments, but at this point, are you talking me through like 2009, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15? What has your volume? You're now, you've met your now wife. You had a child. When was your first child? You Three had? years ago only. Okay. So, 2017. Okay. That's when you will see volume go into the dumpster. Right. Yeah. So, <laughs> steep decline in volume. Right. So, that sort of drops off. When was he? He was born when? Your son? December of 17. Of 17. Okay. But yeah. even before that, right? We all, I, I got a son. I know it's like, you got to slow down. You got to slow down before you, you just kind of slow down. And so now, you know, you still you get around, you play some, you're here. Uh, they already have, looks like, I think we, we both came. You got deep. That's nice score. 150 plus the 10, right? This was the. Thanks to Party Poke for adding 10 main event seats. I uh, instantly punted that away yesterday. <laughs> but uh, so that's good. Save me 10,000 bucks. So, uh, Look, if you are not playing on Party Poker, going to the Party Poker Live series, you are messing up. Holy shit, Elky got second? Elky's a crusher, man. Dude, he's on fire. That's really <laughs> impressive. Um, um, but so, yeah, the Party Poker events are great because, like, this event is a $1,000 tournament, a million guaranteed, which they barely got. And then they added an extra 200K in seats. Right. So you buy in for 1000 it's worth 1200 right off the bat. They've been having these $700 satellites where they just have two or three added seats it's insane mm-hmm. yeah i saw there's there was a overlays on they overlay a lot on there's overlays on everything for other stuff it's it's great it's, that's one of the ways party gives back is by doing that they give back to the players with the overlays and with these uh, big guarantees so we are gonna just to again recap we've got we've got take a look at the hen and mob you guys can see jonathan he has the Instagram. He does Twitter. He's very active on social. A lot of content, a lot of, a lot of coaching stuff. Check out the website. We are giving away $1,188 in value at the end here. If you guys want to ask a question, follow the instructions on my Twitter. Uh, you can click the link and check out. There's also what they, there is some free. You can get a free membership. Up. Free membership. Yep, you free. get, um, you can basically like a, a trial of the site where okay. essentially you can, I think, take 10 quizzes go through three of the homework challenges. I think you get a few of the classes just for free. It's just there okay. for everybody. And, and someone's going to get the, the 1188 in value. It's a so one year premium coaching membership. So we will give that away at the end to be eligible. Just follow the instructions on the tweet. We have Jonathan has a day one B today, which started at noon. So he's very, very graciously giving his time coming here. We're doing this, enjoying this. We are going to, we want to make sure we, we've covered a lot. I feel like I've learned a lot about Jonathan in his career already. And there's a ridiculous amount of coaches or, well, questions and coaches on a site, but questions we are going to get to. Is there anything else before we dive into, it looks like almost 50 questions, which we'll kind of speed through. Is there anything else that you want to kind of hit on? We've talked about the coaching stuff. Anything else in your career? Any message to a tournament player? If you want to start playing poker right now, what would you recommend? Like what with the landscape and how different it is from when you started? What would would be a piece of advice you would say to someone out there? Like, man, poker looks fun. It's so cool. I love that, you you know, watching people travel, this and that. What, What would be a message you would say to someone? You need to figure out first, what do you actually want? Right? Because a lot of people think, oh, I want to be a poker pro. But then you start delving a little bit deeper. You're like, yeah, I have a family and two kids and mm-hmm. um, a job that pays 150 K a year. It's like, what? Yeah. You don't want to leave your good job. You don't want to leave your family to start traveling and playing poker. And you don't want to start small and grind up your money. So it's like, eh, maybe it's not for you. I think poker is great. If you are a little bit younger or if you don't really have a whole lot else going on, right. which, you know, sometimes when people get older, they don't have a whole lot going on. Um, so it really just depends on where you are in your life. But also, you, I think a lot of things in life, they're best if you approach them first as a serious hobby mm-hmm. and then see if you even enjoy it, right? Because you may find that you don't really like playing poker five days a week. Right. It's a grind. Right. And a lot of people don't like a grind. They want to have um, 
fun and gambling all the time. And and that's, again, that's the cool part about poker though. Cause that is very, even if that's what you're, if you decide, you know what, it's awesome. I see the world poker tour. I see party poker series. I see the WSOP, you know, the, the allure of huge prize excitement. You don't have to be a professional either, but if you want to be a hobby, make it a hobby or, or play once in a while, there's still a lot of information accessible that you can be better, you know, get better. I had a buddy of mine who I haven't seen in six years, uh, lived in Baltimore. He just messaged me the other day. He's, he lives in Florida, kind of near where I live. And he was like, man, I'm, I love this. This poker's crazy. He's like, you got to teach me some stuff. I was like hooked on it. And I remember, you know, he knew I played poker. We would hang out back when I lived there. Never really was interested. And in now he's like, goes to hard rock every other day. And he's like loving it. And he's like, dude, I get it. This is like, I see why it's so fun. And why I was like, yeah, bro, just, you know, slow down <laughs> do a little bit of stuff it's like you know it's just funny when you see like someone start there they get into it because it is it's such a great like the game it provides skill and luck right there's just not a lot of games where you can actually control what's happening to some degree but also there's an element of luck and it's fine it's just a really beautiful game and if there are you can't play them for life-changing money that too which is right? very important yeah, too. backgammon or these other type of games where it's like yeah where you, you know chess they're fun there's some whatever but it's like you're not going to get rich. You're not going to play and you can't go into it. It also takes a lot of time or whatever. So, well, so yeah, I, I think that poker is neat because you can really approach it in whatever way you want to approach it. For example, if you want to try to turn, say you want to play a $10 tournament every week and your goal is to go to the Bahamas right. tournament and play there, you can put your $10 a week into a satellite. And, you know, you're probably going to lose because you have to win a $10 into a $100 into a $500 the money into a $1,000. It does happen. Yeah. But it does happen every once in a while. And that, hey, if you're willing to realize I'm probably going to lose, you're treating it kind of like a lottery ticket. Mm-hmm. It's okay. Right. right. And sometimes you get lucky. Yeah, and, you know, some of those people you're playing with are going to get to go and play. So even if it's not you, you can live vicariously yeah, through those other you people. You can have donated part of your $10 to their journey. Sure. Or, or all the above. I want to interrupt. Here's a cool feature with StreamYard we're using here. And I see Matt Forsythe, part of the Thirst Lounge 10 in the house. Uh, very interesting guy. I don't know if you know about Matt, but he is a. Uh, Traveled the world and lived in his car, played poker. He's now part of the Thirst Lounge. And they're nice. doing a coin flip trip with Adam from Survivor, who won. They're going around and they literally get a coin and they flip. And they either get like to live like kings in the country they're in. Like Bill is, is sponsoring this trip. So they get like 500 for the day to eat, go out, do whatever. Or they get like 25. And they have to, you know, survive like in Peru or switzerland wherever so good anyway. luck on your flip yeah good okay it's flipping well there's i watched actually some of the the content it's really interesting um on youtube they have a new channel there but uh he is asking a question here what was jonathan's motivation for getting into poker coaching i mean the motivation was essentially i wanted to help other people who wanted to work hard to better their lives right like i always saw the value in learning from others I mean, even when i was a kid i would like read books on chess because i played chess a decent amount as a kid and i would always read books like learn from others right and so I always learn from others. And then once I actually got to a high level of expertise at poker, it seemed like the logical thing to do to try to get back to those who were like, you know, previous versions of Jonathan Little who want to study and improve their lives. Because at the end of the day, we're really just trying to make the most of our opportunities and the situations we have and to help someone do better in the situation they have. That's it's very rewarding. I agree. Very cool. So let's, Jonathan has a tournament to play. We've been on chatting about a bunch of stuff. Super interesting. I've already learned new things about Jonathan. So that's great. And we are going to look, dive into some questions here. There's a lot of them. So let's just kind of run through some. Cool. I'll be late. I don't mind. Okay. Well, that's even more. You see, I'll stay here at least system. until seven or 8 PM. Oh, wow. Then right. I have to go get dinner. Yeah, we could, we could, we might set a record for the podcast link. Let's go. Let's dive. I cannot like no tweet. This is the, any resolutions 
for 2020, anything you got coming up, any challenges or, or uh, things you want to kind of do you do? Are you a new year's resolution guy? Do you set goals or just kind of, you have so much on the plate where it's like, you're just, <laughs> just going, do you ever stop and kind of look at what's happening and make some goals? I'm not very good with goals. I don't think I, I'm always trying to do the best in my current scenario. I have tried to do more meditation recently and that's going pretty well. I want to drink significantly less alcohol. So I've had none this year. Well, it's not only this year. I've had none for like two months now. Okay. So that's, um, we're starting there. I'm trying to learn from people who are significantly better than me at life. And it turns out a lot of them do meditation, at least a little bit. So I've just been setting aside that 15 minutes a day to use calm.com app. Um, and a lot, and a lot of the other ones, they're like a keystone habit that makes everything else fall into place is they don't drink alcohol right. or if they do, they'll like go off for one weekend to do it once every three months mm-hmm. and I have a super party right. and then be done for three months. So those seemed like good things to do and good things to try. And so far we're sticking with it. Okay. That's awesome. Those are, those are definitely two powerful things. What advice would you give a young Jonathan little at the beginning of your poker career? Sign up to pokercoaching.com. <laughs> I mean, the thing is, is like whenever I first started playing, when you started playing, there was none of that. There were some books on limit hold'em or seven card stud, but that was it. And it's completely, u- well, not completely useless, but pretty useless to learn seven card stud when it comes to no limit Texas hold'em. And now you just have so many more options to learn. And whenever you are first starting to learn, most of your poker time, I think, should be spent learning. I was at a table yesterday with two people. They were randomly talking about poker education. Like I wasn't even involved. I was sitting there listening. And um, one of them asked, how much should a new player be studying? He's like 80% of your poker time, right. maybe more. Yeah. Because you just completely lack the fundamentals. And if you're playing, yes, you're getting experience, but you're often getting experience playing wrong. And it's, it's you learn some stuff, but at the same time, you're just going to learn way faster by well, go, like going through the poker coaching quizzes. It's like you're playing. Right. Except for you get immediate feedback that will help you play better when you actually do go play. Yeah, I mean, I'll give an example. My friend who right now, literally like four days ago, messaged me out of nowhere and um, he's been playing at the hard rock, whatever. Exactly. He's probably playing, you know, he's going there for five, six, eight hours. He's loving it. Right. You mm-hmm. remember the first times you got in, you play live at a casino. It's fun. I was shaking. I was and so it, exciting. Yeah, it's exciting. <laughs> but like, like you're saying, really, he should probably for an hour, maybe two, just kind of get, you know, figure out like you have a little fun talk whatever get the experience but yeah you should be doing work not like it's not he's playing for 10 hours at a time you get experience but he has no clue what position is what the hand rankings are bet sizing and you're just there you're kind of just uh flicking it in as uh you are you you're are playing practicing right. and actively practicing and, and the thing is it's like it's kind of more fun if you practice then you can actually go try to apply it and like and then you're actually do actively proactively targeting what you're doing Right? You're kind of it learning. depends on the person's yeah. mindset because yeah. a lot of people, they view poker as a way to gamble where maybe you can win. Mm. And they often think they're much better than they are at things. I think a lot of people just naturally think they're better than they are at most things. And yeah. um, It's like that Dutch Boyd set quote with like sex, poker, and sex. Yeah, it's like exactly. Everyone, everyone thinks they're the best. Or, but really, no one's good at it. <laughs> and it's okay, right? But at the same time, you don't want to be playing money, playing for money against people who actually are good at it. And... You're just like giving your money away. So why do that? Why do you feel the need to do that? And the answer is most people like to play poker because it's exciting and gambling and creates a rush Mm -hmm. for them. And it's also that you can't compete against LeBron James or Michael Phelps or what they're doing. You could go and play against Phil Ivey or Jonathan Little or anyone or we could, and they're going to beat you at least even some of the time, no matter what, right? Just based on numbers and math, right? It's like, you know, aces versus you're going to win 20% of the time. But, but that's not how you get good, right? right? And so exactly. I would 
tell anyone who is not already winning, if you are not winning at poker, well, first off, keep track of your results. That way you definitively know if you're winning or losing. Mm -hmm. Once you have results or if you already know you're losing, you should be spending the vast majority of your time studying, assuming you actually care about winning. So there are three types of people who play games. There are the people who play for social interactions and for fun, right? And that's 95% of all game players. Maybe not necessarily poker players, but of all game players. Mm -hmm. Across the board, most people play games because they like playing games. Yeah, They're not trying to crush the game. They're not trying to actually win all that much. They'd like to win, but they're not going to devote their life to winning. Like, we have devoted our lives to winning at poker. Mm -hmm. Most people aren't going to devote their lives to winning at poker. So that's most people. And if that is you, <laughs> poker is a pretty rough game to do that because it costs you a lot of money. Mm -hmm. It's different if you're playing, like, Monopoly, right? If you're playing Monopoly for fun and you're making bad trades and you don't care and you're giving your money away, it doesn't matter, right? Mm -hmm. Where people would raise you just always flat with marginal suited connectors mm -hmm. off 20 big blinds. And I told him, like, look, you must just start shoving and one day he did it and he just won that tournament because right. everyone kept bowling to him because he's the old nit, you know? Right. Yeah. And he never got called. Yeah. It's, that's really, that's, that's, it's powerful. That type of stuff. Finding yeah. one little thing could be the big difference. Um, do you ever get paid for coaching? Like, do you ever do, you do personal? Like if someone says, I want to pay you for an hour, do you do that often? Or is that something you I, offer? I do do that, but not all a lot. Cause I try to scale stuff instead. I'd much rather like do my morning show for free and help a hundred people or a thousand people or whatever it is for an hour than do a one-on-one -on -one coaching session, but I do. But that wasn't the question. Is this, did you did I ever pay for coaching? Mm -hmm. And the answer oh, is absolutely. I've spent, I think I looked it up. It was like $28,000 on individual coaching over the course of my career. And I wish I had spent more. It's like I said, it's effectively free. Right. I mean, think about it. If you prorate that to all the years I've been playing, 15 years, $28,000, $30,000, what is that? I don't know. Call it, call it $2,000 a year. $2, a year. It's like, it's not much. $7 a day I've spent for coaching as a good professional poker player. It's like no, no money. Right. And I mean, look at the return. I mean, obviously everyone's not going to have great returns, but so it's an absolute value. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Assuming, assuming you actually do want to get good and you'll make good use of the information. If you're not going to make good use of it, if you're going to play like once a year, it's probably not worth it for you to spend money on private coaching. Exactly. But if you're going to be trying to make a living playing poker, you, you sure better be spending money. And every time I've learned a new game or if I was just trying to move up to the next level, I would hire someone. Um, I hired a guy, Greg Shahade, for Sit and Goes, for example, who, you know, Jennifer Shahade, she's a poker player, mm -hmm. chess player. That's, they're, her they're both, that's her brother. Oh. They're both, you think he's an international master in chess and he was a good Sit and Go player. Mm -hmm. He actually played a level below me in Sit and Goes, but I liked his posts on various internet, various internet forums. So I hired him at 500 bucks an hour back when I was, I don't know, it must have been like 18 or 19. Well, 500 an hour back then. For yeah. And it was well worth it. And people thought I was a better player than him because I was playing higher stakes, but I realized he was good and smarter than me, right? And he found a few things I was doing wrong and my ROI went up like 5% overnight <laughs> and it paid for itself in a month. Right. And so it's, it's just a value if you're going to be playing a ton. Absolutely. Okay, guys, again, I want to, we are going to do a $1,188 giveaway. Uh, you can click there. There is free membership and some for, well, some testing. You can do some quizzes if you check that out. So it's very cool. Um, We've been through three questions out of 48. All right, so we're almost done. We're close. We're very close. <laughs> um, what is more important, finding better competition to improve your game or finding a game you can be regular without your game improvement? What are your goals? Do you want to make money or do you want to get better at poker? There you go. That's the answer. That's That sounds pretty much all Also, important. you should probably always try to find a game where they're, where you expect to be profitable because like, why play in games where you just expect to lose or break even? It doesn't make logical sense. When you can find a game that is still kind of soft with some good players and still make money. Um, right. You don't want to be, you don't want to just be playing as all good players. Cause then just like, you're never making money. It'd be nice to be able to make some money as well. Absolutely. So you always want there to be people who are losing in your games. 
That's 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 spot on. Did you uh, your favorite place for vacation? I don't get a whole lot of vacations. So what is? You must have one happy. Place. I like Bahamar. <laughs> you know, funny yeah. enough, I like going there. It's nice. I like the beach there. How often do you take your family on trips? Like, are you a poker when you like here? Not him. I assume no. I have never taken my kids anywhere yet. Okay. <laughs> Maybe I'm depriving them. They live in New York City. It's a great city. They get to go do plenty of things. Right. I've yet to travel anywhere with them. We are going to go um, skiing uh-huh. in a few weeks. So we're going to go skiing somewhere in. How about your three, three and three, three and three one. one. Okay. So I'm going to be hanging out with a one-year-old because I'm not a prickly good skier. Yeah, me neither. My <laughs> wife likes to ski, but I'm not, I'm not either of that. But sometimes it's fun. You go, it's like, you're going to It's cool to, to hang out. Right. Nice to go somewhere. You get yeah. to chill. So yeah. Okay. So I'm going to be on babysitting doing, duty what for about a one-year-old. Bahamar? Will you bring the Bahamar this year? Or is that a spot um, that would be good to bring? Them? I will probably bring them this next year. I didn't bring them the previous time. Because well, the baby's too young. Too. Baby is still like one. And yeah. once the baby's two and can like walk around a little bit, I think we'll probably go there, but it's, it's almost great. easier when they can't walk though, in a way. It's true. You know, can like, keep on to yeah, it on the, in the airplane or whatever it is. Can they're there? You don't have to, you don't have to, I, I'm coming. My son's eight months old. He's about to start. feels like he's about to start walking any day, but it's, uh, you know, like once they can, then when they can start moving, it's like, you can't, you just got to be on them all the time. And eventually so. they can start running. Yeah. And eventually they get strong. Yeah. And then they talk <laughs> back, right. And then they make decisions. So yes. Yeah, so my three-year-old has developed uh, quite a personality. Yeah. I see. I see you want to see my kids. I have a show called little poker advice. I posted on Instagram and YouTube yeah. where I have like one minute pieces of poker advice, usually with one of my kids. That's awesome. So it's, they both, like they both are chatting now. No, just the, There's just the, the big one. Yeah. He's, he's, I've seen a lot of content with him. He seems he, like he a, is, he is a character. Really interesting. You're looking at some of your videos here. So if, and, and, and with there. a baby, that's the one-year-old. That's awesome. Oh, that's the one-year-old. That's a big, big one-year-old. It's a big one-year-old. Yeah, he's big. 96 percent height uh, and weight. And weight. They're mine, big. Mine was. Uh, <laughs> yeah, mine was. Mine's. Mine was length. The weight. It's. It's. It's crazy, man. I. Babies are crazy. So that's. If it. you really want to change your life, it's probably a good idea to have a kid. That'll because be a, uh, you'll get a change. It might not necessarily be the change you wanted, but you'll get a change. It's so true. if your life is going really poorly right now, just switch it up. You want to really do a 180. Change it up. There, there you go. <laughs> Have a baby. Throw that into the mix. Um, is uh, is the coaching geared more towards live or online or is it both? It's both. Definitely both. We have some great online players. We have great live players. And the content is definitely a mix of that. Are you ever planning to expand your courses for eight game, in-depth eight game stuff? Not at the moment. And the reason is because I don't play eight game. I, it's very important. If you find a someone to teach you anything, make sure they're teaching you about stuff they actually know. Right. Because if they're teaching you about nonsense or things they only kind of know, they may lead you astray. I mean, I mean, look look at poker personalities on the internet. Some of them have tried to branch into all sorts of stuff. Like some of them try to teach health or fitness or finance or whatever. And a lot of them only kind of know stuff and that can get you in trouble. I mean, cryptocurrency is a good example where I've had a lot of people send me an email I watched this guy's stuff on Instagram and I, he said to keep my bankroll all in crypto. And then it went down and now I only have a third of my money, despite the fact that I've been crushing it in poker. What's going on? Right. I'm like, well, you know, realize it's a high risk investment. Right. Don't cut all of your, put all your money in any high risk investment. A day, right? The Kelly criterion, you don't want to, you want to have it spread across different. <laughs> Whatever numbers. it is. And I mean, like I have a few percent of my money in crypto, but you certainly don't want all of it. And that's apparently what some people were out there saying. They were saying literally keep the vast majority of your money in a highly volatile asset. And that's just not a good idea. Yeah. So, but that, that, that it's unfortunate that people try to learn from 
whoever gave them this advice because it's not good advice, right? right. I mean, you may get rich or you may get broke, right. which most people don't want to be either rich or broke. They'd rather have some money. Yeah. And so anyway, I don't play a game. I don't know about a game. So I'm definitely not going to be making content on something I do not know. And unfortunately, I don't really know how to vet a good eight game player because I don't play a game myself, right? right. I can vet Nolan and Holden players great. Um, I have good ideas. I have ideas of people who do play a game and whatnot, but yeah. and I'm sure I can figure out who's decent. It's like obviously who has great results. Yeah. But um, there's no plan for that at the moment because I don't know it. Sorry. Yeah. All right. It's not my area of expertise. There you go. Do you still play micro stakes for fun? Do you no. Ever, no, no time. No, fun's <laughs> out the window right now. Fun's out the window. Like I play, you playing to win something nice or you're with the family or whatever. Yes. Yeah. I'm with you on that. Every once in a while. Um, it's like I have a book where I, well, it's on, what's it called? Strategies for beating small stakes, cash games. And in preparation for that, I went and I played a lot of one, two, no limit live. I say a lot. I play like a week. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not a lot, but it's some. So I will play games in preparation to make sure I am actually aware of player pool tendencies and whatnot. But I'm never just like, all right, seven o'clock. I want to have some fun. Let's play uh, five. Seven, yeah, 10%. let's go. Let's go grind. Uh, no. something. Nope. Not no, no time for that. Uh, John, who's your biggest influencer in getting you into poker in the first place? And who in your, who in your opinion mm. today are the future flag bearers for the game? Great questions. I mean, biggest influencer for getting into poker. I was playing a Magic the Gathering tournament. I was good at Magic the Gathering as a kid. Mm-hmm. And there was a homeless guy named Jake who I would drive home and buy him ramen noodles every night from the Magic tournament. And one day he said, hey, do you guys want to play a poker tournament after the Magic tournament for about a dollar buy-in? This is what you're at. Oh, two-ish. Oh, three. We did. Um, New York? No, this is in Pensacola, Florida, okay. where I'm from. And that got me into poker because uh, <laughs> I didn't know what poker was before that. Oh, wow. And I also didn't realize it was a skill game because it looked like a gambling game from the outside. Mm-hmm. And so I lost to him a few times, bought a few poker books, and then started playing. Wow. So anyway, shout Jake. Out, shout out, shout to, out Jake. to Jake. Hope you're still around. Heard from him? And no. No, no, <laughs> no idea. Um, and then who are the flag bearers? Well, people like Jeff. People who are out there doing the work to continuously promote poker and show you all aspects of the game. To be fair, another big influence would probably be someone like Mike Sexton, who is like an old version of you, right. <laughs> you know? And that's someone who I would watch on TV and learn from. And like I said, I, I got to go to Vegas and meet Mike Sexton when I was 21. That was right. exciting. Yeah, it's crazy. He's still around, and, right? It's just yeah. Like I mean, he's, he's, one of the, he's one of the main, he was the World Poker Tour. He's like a legend icon in the game. He's, you know, his voice is so iconic and they call mm-hmm. in the World Poker Tour final tables. And now he's with Party Poker. He started with Party Poker and, it's cool. Yeah, I did a video with him a year ago at Baja Mars. What to do once you've won a million dollars. So uh, look it up on YouTube. That's awesome. It's a lot of fun. It's kind of like this. Just me and Mike Sexton talking for an hour about how he has to wear our money sometimes. <laughs> I, I will I will say in terms of the flag bearers and whatnot, I think it's pretty clear to now the direction of poker sites and sponsorships and whatnot. And it's a, it's a, it's a different game because I think for a while, there was like a period of time where, you know, at the Stars signed Kevin Martin, Jamie Staples, some of these guys were more micro stakes, lower stakes that have come up. And, and it was people were out, kind of outraging, like, you know, how do you sign? How are these guys getting deals? Like, look at so-and-so, they're supernova elite, they're crushers, whatever. But it's then, and I think even some of the pros, like there was guys like Doug Polk or other guys who maybe like take shots or needles or say stuff, like all these guys aren't whatever. But ultimately for poker to grow, there needs to be people people streaming on Twitch. There needs to be YouTube content. There needs to be coaching content. There needs to be information. And that's what people, that would, that's what brings people in the game. You know, Doug. So I, I'll just tell you this. My, I remember starting my, my YouTube channel was like, Oh, 2017, no idea what was going on. 
Jamie Staples had told me about YouTube. I'd already been in Twitch for a little bit. I went, I started filming, no idea what I was doing. Just went around, bought a camera, you know, Vadrian, who was a uh, first time late ever in his life today um, for something who was, uh, <laughs> Good job, yeah, Vadrian, if he's listening, uh, you guys all know he's the goat, but he mm-hmm. brought us, he brought us, started editing the videos and just like that, I started. And then I remember having my camera at the table and a guy came up to me. This was maybe like two weeks into vlogging. He comes up, I'm sitting there and I'm like, he, he, he comes out to me, looks real excited. And I'm like, Oh, is this, this is cool. Like maybe he's seen one of my vlogs and I got the thing. He was playing at the same table as me. He's like, man, he was, he's like, uh, you know, Doug Polk. And I'm like, yeah, no, I know Doug. And he's like, that's the reason I'm here. He's like, I watch his YouTube videos. I haven't played poker in three years, but this is why I'm here. No idea who I was. Hadn't seen any of my stuff or Twitch or whatever, but he was like, saw that I was filming something. He thought that was cool. And he was basically saying, I'm here because Doug Polk. I like his videos. I like how he projects poker. And that's when I kind of really realized how important that was for content and social stuff. And you hear some pros and people, I think, were knocking or they want to make fun of some of the guys. And I think that's changed a lot in the last year. Because so I think you see even guys like NoLimit.gg, they have a team, right? Some like the high rope, the crushers. Mm-hmm. And like they get it. Guys starting to understand content's where it's at. If I'm playing the Sunday Million, if I'm playing Party Poker's Gladiator, it's like, why not record it? Why not push it to YouTube for highlights? Why not engage people plus make their own little business out of it too? And I just think that's like kind of shifted, right? Like that's where it's at. Like people realize now, that makes sense. If you want poker to stay around, we need people that are doing content, that are putting the game in a positive light, that are educational, fun, informative. And I think that's a going on a tangent, but I think that's just like so pivotal now with what's happening. And the U.S. is coming back. I mean, you must be licking your chops. I see it. The sports betting's at a uh, national level passes, right? Poker and, and sports kind of piggyback and like the laws. Michigan just passed. That's where I'm born and raised. My dad's fired up. Everyone's excited. You know, Pennsylvania just passed. They say Nevada party poker is going to be back, it looks like, very soon. It's already up and running. New Jersey's up and running. Delaware's up and running. All of a sudden, you got five states. New York comes on. You get California down two years. Like All of a sudden, it's like, boom. And I mean, the people that are going to be situated, ready, it's like, you know, yeah, you got, you have, this is like, if the U.S. comes back, it's going to be a massive boom again. It will be. And it's already happened. Correct. Correct. <laughs> Correct. You, you said all that. That's but what yeah. I'm saying. I got fired up. I those, just... those are the future flag bears, are the people who are spreading poker to the masses, whatever that means. And now that there is a lack of poker on TV, besides Poker Go, which you know isn't even necessarily on TV, it's more you know subscription. It's a subscription thing. Media. The people who are making the content that everyone can see are the people who will be the next stars, mm-hmm. and and they already are the stars. Like you said, I mean, yeah. Like I, I, even out here in, in Nottingham, I was I was playing, and three different people at my starting table in a thousand dollar tournament said they are members right. of my site. Yeah, that's sick. That's it's like cool. <laughs> good, and I mean, like cool. just tomorrow, tomorrow morning at ten a.m., I'm having a breakfast for my the members of my site at a place next to Dust Till Dawn, and we have that's a decent sick. number of signups. So it's gonna, it's like that's it's awesome. a community, right? Yeah. And it is uh, nice to have sort of a team or aspect of like um, yeah. of uh, being part of something. And then it goes back to the idea of it's a solitary game, right? I mean, you find people, you learn from people. And to be fair, those people support me. You know, they, they pay for my training site mm-hmm. and they let me be able to provide all of the content for all of them. And yeah, it's valuable. Right? I mean, so it's, we all help each other. It's similar to, it's so similar to golf. I feel how poker is because golf, it's also, it's an individual sport, but you're competing. And then also there's days like in a tournament cuts and get down mm-hmm. and the prizes are top, like a <laughs> sure It's very similar. And right. uh, also a lot of golf guys are friends and they interact and they're sharing stuff. And then they, it says exactly, although it's competitive, they may, they, they train with a partner or someone or they, you know, they, they, they work together with someone. They talk about stuff, techniques, you share a coach. So 
So it's, it's, I just see a lot of similarities with golf. Not, I'm not good at golf, but it's, uh, <laughs> golf takes a lot of time. So yeah. Also poker. If you want to get good, takes most time. things in life take a lot of time. If you want to get a lot good. of hours to become an expert, uh, how do you combine poker with the child? And also I see the next one the question back to back. How do you manage to find the right balance between poker and your family? Excellent questions. I am uh, very curious on this from you because going in that stage similar of uh, how to find a balance. Do you ever feel, let me take another level and let you gather your thoughts, that how, how do you justify or how do you, how do in your mind, it's like this trip, for example, going to Nottingham, you have this poker coaching site. You technically could never leave your house or be with your family, right? Like I feel the same. Like I could, I could end up going to somewhere. I can do streaming. I can do stuff. I can bring my family, be in a spot and whatever, or, you know, I have my reasons and I understand, but like, how do you, how do you, does it, does it hurt? Like, cause you're, you know, one year old, three year old, right? That's like very, these are the times too. It's like, you know, I, I think like that sometimes it's like, Oh, I'm not, I'm never going to get these days back. And, but how, how do you sort of balance and justify and work through that? So I may not be the best person to ask this question. Cause I'm in a weird spot where my poker coaching site makes me money. So what I do when I'm home is my wife will go to work from nine till six we will have, we have a nanny during those times or my father-in-law will watch our kids. And then I work from nine till six every day, Monday to Friday, nine to six. And I'm grinding that whole time. Like no off hours, hard, hard work. With so the kids at the house, kids are in the house, but with a nanny. Okay. But are you in, are you, I am in my office. So nine which is separate nine to six. Yeah. How much interaction are you having with the kids? Mm, I mean, you're maybe going to get lunch and 30 out. minutes worth of interaction maybe during, an hour, the, during the day, during the day. So in and out, maybe five, 10 minutes here. And yeah. There. Not a lot. Yeah, not a lot. And like, I'll, I'll order in food and I'll eat the food mm-hmm. in the office. Um, so I'm in the office all day. Um, I will have, like, I wake up with the kids at 6 a.m., wake up, take care of them, make them breakfast. Okay. So you are, it's not like 30 minutes a day. No, 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 no. Yeah, it's in- like from not 6 a.m. till 9 a.m. I'm with the kids. And then from 6 p.m. until they go to bed at 8 p.m. So five hours a day, six hours. Sounds a day. like actually a pretty nice schedule. And then weekends. I always take weekends, call it off. I take weekends off and I take care of the kids. So all weekends. Um, so that's what I do when I'm at home. Mm. That's a lot. That's a, that's a pretty, I mean, and, uh, you know, then when I'm travel, I'm gone, but so it's, it's interesting because if you actually play a lot of poker, when are poker playing hours? That's what you need to figure out because I mean, like I sleep from 10 PM till 6 AM. Right. Whereas if you need to play poker, I think what a lot of people would have to do is, well, a lot of people have jobs as well. Right. So they wake up, they play with the kids, they work. And then it's like 6 p.m. already. Right. And now you put your kids to bed and it's 7 p.m. Are you really going to get up and leave your husband or wife and go play poker for the next five hours? Mm-hmm. It's kind of rough. I like I don't do that. So, right. so in a way, it's almost, yeah, it feels more structured, organized and more of, yeah. a, of like you're actually. My job is poker that I can do during daytime hours, which mm-hmm. is perfect. Like that is my, my job and my poker line right up on top of each other. Right. Whereas a lot of people do not. So they instead have to go play poker after the kids go to bed mm. or they have to go play poker on the weekends, but right. then and your then, significant other's pissed. <laughs> right. Or, and then you're, well, you're playing till two, 3 AM or yeah. whatever. And now you're not waking up at six and doing your, your you're missing that time. And right. That. So it's a, yeah. So it's actually, that's like a pretty, pretty good balance. I, I will tell all of you out there to try Like if you do have to wake up early with your kids and be present, try to be present with the kids. Like don't, like, for example, the drinking I was talking about earlier, I realized that sometimes I'll wake up and be a little bit hungover and a little bit annoyed. And that's not good. Right. right. That's, that's bad for you and bad for the children. And I think cutting that kind of thing out is very, very important. And but, I'm not even saying like I had a problem or anything. It was more like just. Yes. You, you want to be with it. You want to be GTO in yeah. the time and make sure everything. Because I will say like that. I, I The last time I was in London, I came for the WPT to Nottingham not too long ago. It was October. And my son 
who was at the time, whatever months, my wife sent me a video of him, like crawl, like actually crawling for the first time. And then I was like, in my head, I was like, you know, like this, that's like, you're a jerk. Yeah. Like what the <laughs> hell? Like I'm gone for four days and it's like, he's, uh, that happened. And it's like, then you start realizing like how, I don't know, maybe I'll have another, hopefully we have one more or more, but these are the type of times, like everyone says they're golden years as well. Right. Like yeah. at a certain point, the kid, they get older, then they have their friends, then they're doing stuff. Then in their high school, they're teenagers and then they're gone. It's like, all of a sudden you start realizing these are really what's life about. Is it about money? Or, you know, you have to make money, you have to work, you have to sustain things, but also it's like really what's important. And I think that's a great question and, and a good wording is balance. You have to have balance. Mm-hmm. You, gotta, you, got, you can take poker and you're lucky, I'm lucky that we're able to stay busy and do different things within poker that are not necessarily having to play at our own sort of schedule, if you will. There's always going to be something you could do or do more, which is a great great thing but you just you know that's a that's a great schedule i like that i think that's uh that's a good that's a good way to do it when you basically shut it down you have a set work schedule yeah and that's it you know what time you're with your family it's very clear mm-hmm. and uh, everyone knows that there's that's great and then obviously my, my wife will be knocking on the door at 602 hey eight. six o'clock right yeah that's <laughs> get awesome. out here that's awesome um but awesome. so it is also worth mentioning that i try i've tried to travel way less so what i try to do now is i try to play high volume series where I can play a lot of poker in about a week period of time, which is why I'm here mm-hmm. actually. Cause I had a one K and a two K and a 10 K and a five K 25 K and all that yeah. stuff. They have, <clears throat> I don't even know what it was like 70 K and buy-ins. If you want to play 25 K and lower in a week, right. which you know, if you expect to make 20 or 30% call, it whatever it is, you know, say you're gonna make 20 K a week or something like this. And also they, uh, party poker does a good job of giving players publicity. Mm-hmm. So that is also useful for me because I have the training site, right? right? Like I want to stay relevant in the poker world and, go and play poker and have a lot of opportunities to win. So instead of like going to play a lot of random thousand dollar tournaments locally, or even you know, a random $3,500 tournament takes five days and there's one event. I'm trying to go play events like the party poker series where I can play Multiple. a lot of volume in a short period of time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very cool. Now, I mean, party does have the day one plus two mm-hmm. where you make it. Obviously that doesn't necessarily make sense if you're in New York but there's that option online yeah. where you can do the do that and sort of save time for people in certain parts of the world, which is cool. Because for someone like you, for me, that's very, very attractive. If you have a child, you have a family, and you're like, all right, well, am I going to fly to the UK? No, but if I can show up on day three, you know, that that in theory, something like that kind of format makes, I think they're trying to appeal and appease the uh, that exact lot of sense. It definitely helps. Anyway, it really just yeah. comes to the idea of how do you make the most out of the time you have? So look at the time you have in life or anything complete waste of time so i had to have a i don't know an intervention with because magic the gathering is a game i like and it takes time if you want to stay updated and current on the formats and like i wouldn't even be going to play tournaments i would just like following it you know it's like follow people who follow sports right right you can spend a lot of time watching sports or no time watching sports like i watch i watch no sports i used to now yeah same thing i don't really i just don't have time yeah and you realize it up on the side on a tv or something right <clears throat> I really don't watch much now. You realize it's a low value <clears throat> thing right. and there's nothing wrong with it or anything like that, but <clears throat> I just don't have time to do it. Right. So <laughs> that's something I'm willing to put aside. Mm-hmm. And I've never really been someone who followed sports a lot, right. but I did follow games a lot mm-hmm. and I had to just muck on it essentially. Yeah. And that's okay. I don't care because I realize there are other things I'd rather be doing. It's very important to know what you care about. And I think a lot of people don't know what they care about or they haven't really thought about what they care about and they end up getting nothing done or right. they end up doing everything. Mm-hmm. half yeah. And there's, there's uh there's always time for what's important. That's really, that's really the one. Well, you just have to get your priorities straight. Yes. Right. Cause for example, if I wanted to be the best magic gathering player in the world, 
I'm sure I could go and travel to all these tournaments on the weekends and completely neglect my family. Then I'm sure my wife would have half a brain and leave me, right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So yeah. Give and take balance. I really, that's just not for me. It right. would be cool to do cool to try, but it's not for me right now. And it will never be for me in my life. And that's okay. Right. You never know. Maybe on the, the second tour, like after the, uh, the kids go to college and you're right, you know, that's that. still not worth not it. Not that specifically, <laughs> but you know, you could, yes. Yeah, I want to say hi to my wife who is hi. checking in and watching and she's, uh, she's, uh, she came at a good time. We're covering the family poker and the whole deal. So some good questions there. I think I actually skipped over this, which is a very good question. How does your poker coaching site differ from others? And why should I choose your site? I think it's very important to find someone who you can. Um, I think a lot of these sites out there try to be way too high level and way too specific in terms of like, just here's the GTO strategy. Here's how to adjust it. And they still just give you this mess of a and I think it's important to try to learn to at the table in a way that you can actually do. So that's what I teach. Like on the site, we have a tool section where we have Intable G. Instead of saying, do this play 68% or 2% of the time and all that, we just blend them and make it 100 It's not perfect. You're not going to beat a perfect robot, but you're not playing a perfect robot. <laughs> so we try to make high-level strategies accessible and understandable to everyday poker players. And if that's not you, it's not for you. And if right. that is you, then <clears throat> give it a try. And also, if you don't like me, don't come study for me, right? And um, I've, I've done my best to hire more and more coaches to maybe at least find one or two like. But that's yeah. why that's why to pick me or any training site. Yeah, find there's, what there's, you need. Cool. There's options. That's nice. Yeah. There, there are. It's also a, I, uh, part of Raise Your Edge family, but I also going to be Jonathan. Now I'm a member of Poker Coaching, and I use. You know, that's something I want everyone to know what they're, what is, what it's for and be transparent and yeah. say, look, it's not, it's not this or nothing. There are other options. It's great to have options. Also, I mean, I know a lot of sites don't do it. I think they should, but we have, like, we give you free access to, to each main facet of the site. So go try it. It's free. If you don't like it. I don't want your money. If I'm not helping you become better, I do not want or deserve your money. Strong endorsement, strong, uh, strong message. I, and we always have money back guarantee too. 30 day money back guarantee. If you don't like it cancel i'll send you a running back there you go that's how you can't really beat that don't you think studying and following those courses will make my game standard like a million other players can you talk about what that means to you when you hear someone say that maybe explain that you it's important to understand what the right thing to do is or the right way to play a game and then you can there's there's a gto and then exploitative so it's important to know what gto is or at least what the the correct play is and that doesn't mean so how would you address, how would you sort of break that 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 comment down if someone's thinking like that? First off, I highly doubt there's anywhere near a million players who play anywhere near the GTO strategy or have half an idea. Like I don't. I, I think I'm pretty good. Right. Um, Dominic Niche had a, a app come out called DTO recently, where basically it's just like running through the solver and showing you it's like a quiz sort of, but it probably doesn't tell you why it's doing a specific play, but it tells you all the plays. And I only get like seventy percent of them right. I saw Dominic playing it on stream. He was getting about seventy percent of it right, mm-hmm. which means like we're pretty good poker players. We're not playing GTO, so right. there's probably like literally five people in the world who play perfect or close enough to perfect GTO. Michael Acevedo, my guy, is one of them. Mm. Remember, there's this video I watched where he said, all right, everyone, we're just going to play GTO today. We're going to use no HUD. None of that. We're just going to play GTO. And then he like won a tournament, some big one online. So sure. maybe there's value in it. Yeah. And he's like, well, we're going to run this bluff here. <laughs> that's awesome. I think this guy likes to call, but we're going to run the bluff. That's, that's um, <laughs> But so anyway, no one plays standard. Well, People play poorly standard. Right. A lot of people think standard means it's like weak, tight, straightforward. Mm-hmm. Don't play weak, tight, straightforward. Then you're just going to get run over and you're never going to win a tournament. Right. 
So I think this question was not very well thought out, or at least it was perhaps not made very clear what is being asked here. Okay. Do, you, yeah, do a, you think learning to play well is bad? Like, is that the question? Like, no, you need to play well. Right. And you need to know how to adjust. Right. A lot of people, if, if they did just play like the solver, they're going to win way less than if they would exploit their opponents. Exactly. And if you know how to use the solver, right, you can input your opponent's strategy and it'll show you how to adjust. So I, I think this, this just doesn't seem like, it's not, well, not, not a very great question. Yeah, but it, I get it. I get where they're coming from. It makes sense. Like what they're thinking, I don't think it was articulated correctly, but we sort of covered why you'd want to. Well, I get learn. it. it yeah. if, if everyone's read the same books, how is that going to help you? Well, I mean, this, came, this happened a long time ago where there was a book that was very popular on poker and a lot of people followed it religiously. And it taught kind of weak, tight, straightforward poker. Harrington? Well, maybe. And so um, I made my book, my first book, Secrets of Professional Tournament Poker, just like as a pure exploit to that strategy. Mm-hmm. And like I was crushing, using, doing exactly what I was doing then. And a lot of people read the book and they started crushing right. because everyone had read a strategy that was not the GTO strategy, but it was the accepted strategy of the day back when people, <clears throat> when no one was very good. Like back in the day, you could just sit there and play good cards and your opponents would give you their money. Right. But that doesn't happen anymore. Everyone realized, okay, let's just sit here and try to get donations. All right, well, if that's happening, run those people over, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? And that, that's not the world we live in anymore. Yes. Now the, there is the GTO correct strategy, and you can't beat it by doing something absurd. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with that. What's your favorite success story of someone taking your poker training? Well, we have a bunch. Mm, probably biggest is a guy named Blas Zerzhao, who turned $5 into $1.3 million on party poker. And the last uh, big guarantee when they did, the, mm-hmm. what is it, 10 million guaranteed? Bahamas? No, no, it was a lot online one. Okay. Oh, yeah, just now. He's from Slovenia. <laughs> it was a year ago. Okay. And um, now he's traveling poker circuit. He's a smart kid. He put the vast majority of it away for, like, you know, investments. <laughs> Going to give himself, like, 300K to go travel and play poker, and he's he's doing it. Doing, doing he sent me a spreadsheet the other day of his schedule, and it was like, oh, my God, that's amazing. Like, he has his whole life blocked out and great schedule. He's studying. I think he just finished college and... So he's always in like he's young. He's like 20, yeah, 21. He's crushing it. What is your most memorable poker experience? That's a tough one. I already know it. What is it? It's meeting your wife in a hundred. Oh, that's it. (laughs) That must be the answer. Yes. But that's actually a good experience. You're right. Yeah. But maybe one of the winning, maybe probably a first world poker tour. This goes back to that bad memory issues. Like I don't really remember that kind of stuff. I, I don't have a great memory and I can't recall anything from that day, honestly. I mean, which is weird. Like, I don't do drugs. <laughs> you just—I didn't drink a lot. Just, uh, I just have a bad, bad, bad. What did you do though when you when you won? Did you go out? Did you celebrate? We went there? to Ruth's Chris Steakhouse, and there were two of them in Vegas, and half the people went to the wrong one, <laughs> so only half the group showed up. Oh wow, that's a bad flip. Uh, yeah, they showed up eventually, but that's what we did. We went there and then we oh, went to Vegas. Bed. Was your first one? Vegas at Mirage, and then, and then Foxwoods. Was- For Foxwoods, we went to Fuddruckers and had. All right. Well, that. That was it's actually Vegas, right? It's a little less obvious. Yeah, that was the last. Um, so I'm the reason they changed the structure of the heads up matches because I had two in a row. I had the two longest heads up matches for World Poker Tour, and they both went to like 5 a.m. Oh, really? And they realized, okay, we got to change this. Now I think they do 30 minute heads up blinds instead of two hours. Your, <laughs> your matches took a long time versus your opponents just because you were. Well, do you yeah. remember roughly the blind? How deep you were? Each I one? think in both times we started like 100 big blinds deep, oh, and we ended like. 12. <laughs> so oh, just it took like forever. A super battle. Like no one yeah. was giving away. Was a super lot of, battles. Yeah. Interesting. So one was against Scott Clements. The other one was against Jonathan Jaffe, both, you know, two world-class players. Right. Probably yeah. way better than me at poker. <laughs> that, uh, yeah. That's, yeah, that, yeah. You're not, 
So that's interesting. They changed. They actually amended the structure soon after that. Okay. Uh, what is your personal worst bad beat story? Do you remember your worst mm. beat and maybe gave the best one you was and you beat someone crazy or that you got unlucky? to? I don't know when I bad beat anyone. I don't care about that. I do remember uh, one that was particularly annoying for me. It was in Vegas, I think, four or five years ago. I had a bad summer, one of those over 40 summers. And I was playing, and I think it was 50, 100, 200 at Bellagio, cash games. Um, game was soft, game was good. There's a spot where I raise, I think I had pocket nines under the gun. I'm sure I'm going to. It comes to low. Um, I checked, he bet, I raised, he jammed it all in for like 60K or something. Holy so it was like a big all in, obviously, call. And we put it all in at runtime. Queen, tip, but it beat aces. So um, I turn over my hand. He says, nice hand, you got me. He goes to muck his cards. The guy next to him says, oh, no, you win. And then he looks back at his cards like, no, I don't. And he tries to put him in the muck. The guy takes his cards and throws them up face up on the table, takes them out of his hands and throws them up on the table. He has pocket kings for the straight. And um, so I lost a big pot. And I was very annoyed. And then I got up and I got on an airplane and went back home. That was when they, so that was, a, and someone literally, the guy next, the guy to, next him to him threw his hand over. Yeah. That's, he must have been in... Stewing to a new level. I, I really don't stew all that much, but that was definitely my most. Uh, at least I was, fact I was is, thoroughly simmering. At least, the, <laughs> at least the reality is the guy did win, right? Like it's not. I mean, sure, I didn't think it, that at all at that moment. Right? Yeah, yeah. No, I get it, but I mean, <laughs> it's and that's that's actually a really interesting ethical debate in poker, like yeah. in these spots, because like you know, in tournaments and stuff, the hands get tabled, right? It's a cash game. There's different places you don't have to necessarily all in. Um, and that's that's actually a really bizarre scenario. Clearly, if that guy cares, if the guy who turned his hand up cares about winning money, he obviously doesn't want me to have it. Mm-hmm. He wants the, the bad player to have it. He can't read his hand, right? Right. Who just ripped it all in with the overpair for whatever it was, 200 big blinds right. or something. So if he cares about money, clearly that's the play. Um, what is actually the right, like, the, I'm, it's, what's it's, the right thing to do is to not say anything. You can't, right? You're not, that's obviously like etiquette wise is it's up to you. It's one player per hand. It's very, very poor etiquette all around. And yeah. it's crazy. It happens to be for such a large, significant, it was, it was, a dramatic run out. I mean, it's about as tilting. As it would have like saved my summer, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so first off, I had to get it all in. I had to lose the hand, which mm-hmm. kind of hard to do in that spot. Mm-hmm. And then, you had to have well, whatever. Some. So that was fun. Damn. Okay. Um, I do not remember what the guy who tabled the hand looked like. I think I was, I could not see anything. I don't even remember like booking a flight and getting in, on an airplane. Just, it's all, of, it's all, it just all was a blur. I'm actually very fortunate that I don't remember what that guy looked like. Um, <laughs> all right. Fair enough. And uh, I, I do want to ask you, how does that, um, since getting into like the real content, like not even just Twitch, but I, I've gotten into YouTube, made a lot of videos, kind of storing runs. And a lot of the time it doesn't, go well you bust a tournament there's nothing really exciting to talk about you take a bad beat it's frustrating or whatever um how does that work for you on a when you go over 40 which is crazy extreme just say forget forget over 40 just not a good summer yeah not a good stuff like how is that has there ever been a time where like you're like you're on here ready to go on your instagram live or facebook your show and you're just like fuck like I, i'm excuse me it's like i'm the guy i'm poker coach now we were doing such a good job being family yeah, friendly I today i just had to drop one right. just because i know this is frustrating for me as well and it's like <laughs> especially when you're like getting like you said you're building up stacks you're losing ace king to queens but you know those two powerful words in poker results oriented it's the same thing with my wife i come home she doesn't care i lost kings to ace queen on a you know a stone bubble a huge yeah. tournament are like the bills paid yeah are then we're good was the time away worth it 
And from viewers' perspective, especially when you're providing, you know, PokerCoach.com, it's a massive name. It's a, you know, it's a, it's strong. You're the guy. People look up to the results. How have you dealt some at times on a downswing, and how do you like? How do you convey that? Do you feel your energy is different? Do you feel yourself getting a little bit angry, frustrated, and how do you deal with that when you when it's not going perfectly? Yeah, that, that's a weird question because we are in different spots in that you work for a poker site. Mm-hmm. I do not. Right. right. I kind of built my own sponsorship. So, for example, I was in the Bahamas recently playing, you know, party poker doesn't pay me any money to go to the Bahamas. Right. And went like over six or something. I had a video blog. made. It wasn't. I went and I played out each one time and I went to a blog. There's no like my I don't think there's come to me for specifically a video and if it's not it's also i mean at times though there's lessons within winning or losing it doesn't necessarily sure. so i'm sure you do some of that but like yeah certain times i did my best it just wasn't good right you <laughs> just decided not to use it yeah i mean it happens to me too i'll make a blog yeah and i don't put it out because of like what i i don't make the money it's not that exciting there wasn't any interesting hands you know that and that's has, okay it's the same thing on twitch like i use highlights of final tables like there's enough you know, say you play enough poker where there's yeah. good stuff to use so you don't have to use everything and then in terms of like mindset and general attitude i I try to record stuff like in the worst moments and in the best moments. Mm. And I don't really mind showing me being feeling rough, you know, like, like yesterday I, I took whatever it was 18th place or something in the one K played the main event, lost every hand for 30 minutes and walked right outside and film myself right after losing every hand for 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. And I'm probably gonna make a video blog out of it because I already had a reasonable run and people are going to see me having, you know, I mean, I'm fine. I don't care all that much, but right. Yeah, I'm down. I'm dejected. It's, it's, it's good. Uh, it's, People need to see that. The, yeah, they need to see. You People know. can learn from your successes and your failures and your good times and your bad. And it's important for them to see how you handle your good times and your bad. Like you're not raging and throwing a fit. Right. You know, you're annoyed or well, not it's, loving it's it. Also, it's also why it's important to be <clears throat> balanced because when you do win a World Poker Tour main event for a million dollars, it's great. You don't want to go think you're the man <laughs> and invincible and go spending money, popping bottles, buying cars, being insane. And then when you're losing 40 in a row, it's like you can't get out of bed and you're like, you, you know, you're dark. So it's like, it's important to try to keep it, I think, as even kill as possible. Obviously, huge celebratory moments are are great. Busting a 25K or 100K or whatever. So, you know, tournaments, it's something like that. It's not fun. So it's like there is a there is a balance um, between that. But but yeah, it sounds like you have a pretty good grasp and are able to stay even keeled. It's tough when it comes to emotions, because I think I would much prefer to have more emotional feelings in life in general. I don't think you necessarily need or want to be even killed, but it definitely is a good trait for poker and a good trait for anything dealing with like math. It's, it's like a math. Game. I will say, I, I don't want to say I'm, I don't want to say I've had like a curse or anything from like <laughs> filming, but it, I definitely, you know, if I looking back over my vlogs and runs and even online and Twitch and stuff, it's like, it's pretty crazy. Some of the beats or the hands or losing aces preflop deep in huge spots and, and whatever. And it's like, for us, it is so it's like it's like it's funny because I think for the content creators or people that do coaching stuff, you know, like Doug Polk, he has this course, he wins the hundred K, runs hot, like that, and like those type of moments, like winning a major or to win for myself, like a final table or a big score, it's like you can really promote that, you know, like for you sure. can really it's like so exciting. Like you it's just like it's to make that vlog, to make that 
thing. It's like the good, a great result is so fun. Right. And it's just like, it's like, I feel sometimes the pressure almost like, it's like, Oh, this is so like, this spot is so, you know, so big. I don't know. I don't know if you ever think like that, but for me, especially on Twitch, there's times where I'm deep in something. I'm like, Oh man, like this yeah. is going to be really special if it goes well. But I don't know if you think like that. I have been a little bit unlucky when it comes to playing in the bigger stuff recently. I want a 2k like a few months ago in Florida and we finished, there was no one there. It was like 2 AM. I'm like, here I am. I want the money. Right. <laughs> I won the tournament in 200 K and right. um, that's nice. Right. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, it's tough because it, and right. yeah, obviously how you play the one K is going to, you could go out there today and be chip leader of the 10. You might win this event yeah, you exactly. know. on this open. You're not going to be like, Oh, I'm not going to do it in this. So it's like kind of right. It does. It's, well, so it's funny how it works. I remember looking back, a year when I was playing a lot, I would win about two or three tournaments. Four dollar tournaments, sometimes you don't get to pick. And when you win the ten Ks, you win all the money. When you win the five hundreds, you just have a bad year, right? Because you cash like thirty K. The difference aligns too. You playing two Ks or two hundred? Yeah, same shit. <laughs> Your year was amazing. Another bad. bad. Yes. Whole series Europe in France and uh, um, three a.m. And said, "There's a hundred k pound tournament in London. Uh, I must have been like so Alpha Eight. No, it was random. It was okay. a private tournament. Oh yeah, around that time at Aspinall's know. Club. Yeah, that yeah. they gave a hundred k added. So weird. It was like twenty people. And apparently, somehow he got an invite but couldn't go, and wanted me to go. So he's like, all right, you have to leave in like three hours.' <laughs> you were where? I was in France, okay. and I had to get to London. I was in like uh, Cannes, mm-hmm. so I had to go. I had to go there." I go there, I play, everything's going great, and I get it all in on the bubble. Well, you were in the 100K. I was in the 100K. Yeah. 100K, I was playing, it was all going well. 100K, pound two back, and it was like 2.2 yeah, yeah. to one. And I got along with Aces against um, Jax, and he made a set on the bubble to bust me. Who, who was that? Some, one some of the an Asian guy. Wow. So, yeah, that's a, that's a. I was like, no. Right. And th- that's the ones, though, those are the ones I'm talking about, though. Because, it's a big like, swing. Yeah, like even just for, like, you know, I've played several 100Ks. I uh, actually, JC Tran, I said, you think you said you were heads up with, mm-hmm. made a deal. I made a deal three handed. The first ever Alpha 8 um, got in with him. We, we did a swap and then the, we ended up, uh, I got it in two pair versus flush draw to knock him out. Big pay jump. He heads up with the chip lead instead. I lose the hand and he, you know, I made a little swap with him, but I still got third place money plus like I think 50K. But, the, you know, those type of moments, like to win that hand, be heads up, cover the guy. Now all of a sudden I win Alpha Eight for a million. Instead I got third. Played a couple more. You bust. You know whatever. Like don't that. Like you cash the hundred K. Dewan says take my seat. You end up winning that hand. Maybe your triple. You win the tournament. It's like now you're playing the next. You've been playing all the next hundred Ks. Yeah. yeah. But it's like funny. But at the same time, then maybe it works out better because then you're more focused on the coaching. You're more at home. So it's like I'd rather be playing hundred Ks. That's okay. All right. But you know what I'm saying. Like these are type of moments where it's like you start thinking about like these or like World Series bracelet. You have you have two WPTs, no World Series, right? No World Series. I got second one. Got it in Ace Jack the King Ten to win it. Don't win it. I still don't have one. This was 2011. I got a bunch of thirds. Yeah, seconds, thirds. It's hard, right? It's crazy. And then they, and then guys like Dan Coleman, Fedor Holtz, Bonomo, they go on these runs. It's like nothing can stop them. And then I had my son run. Son run. We did. You had, had about two dollars for a new sun run. This one. So you put in the time. Yeah, you're ready. I'm ready. You're ready for the sun Luck run. Luck is when preparation meets opportunity. Right. You're yeah. ready. You're going to give yourself all the opportunity. We both can final table this this ten. Uh, 10- Okay, right, it's the first 10k of the year. It's exciting. I already, I already played it once. 
Yeah, but you already cashed, and you already settled it. You got your 10k. For That's true. I'm crushing. You're like, yeah, you're and you already cashed it. I'm already in the money on. You cashed three. two tournaments. You cashed the 1k and the 10k. Yes. Yeah. I'm oh gosh, you're I'm crushing. It's nice. Yeah. Yeah. Let's finish these questions so you don't <laughs> attitude. But we are going to get a favorite poker comment. What's your favorite? Uh, I like an ace and an ace. That's pretty good. Other than that, king and a king's pretty good as well. All right. Go uh, top. I, I like hands like Jack eight suited. That's a good one. That's a saucy one. I like nine seven suited. Ones that they think like maybe in your range, but probably not. Right, but you can punish someone and they don't see a call. Yeah, you're gonna get paid every um, once in a while. You'll get them. Right. All right. How can I begin the coaching? Go to pokercoaching.com/slash/flow and scroll to the bottom. Right there on the top, and that's eleven eighty eight now. That's gonna be an exciting giveaway at the end of the yeah. day. That's a nice way to to give something powerful here. So you guys are still eligible. Speaking of Go ahead. Go I was ahead. Say, speaking of giveaways, every month I give away seats to live poker tournaments, to my training sites, etc. So make sure you follow me on Twitter at Jonathan Little. We have lots. For example, we just uh, we bought a guy into the thousand dollar tournament the other day here in Nottingham. Vince is playing a two hundred pound tournament tomorrow. How did he do? How did the thousand go? Made day two with three starting sacks, but then lost a big flip. Okay, but he had a fun and he had a chance. He, he had fun and he had a shot. And and normally he plays like you know twenty dollar tournaments. That's exciting. And I I gave money to my students who were working hard and grinding it out. I can see them putting in the work, right? So that's awesome. I'm happy to reward them. That's very cool. Do you ever tilt? Do you, I'm yet to see a cosmic display of JL financial emotion. I think I'm really good at not punting off my stack. Um, good example is yesterday. I was just losing every hand. I mean, I think a lot of people would have been pretty annoyed where I remember there was one I had like ace jack and I was against jack four and ace four and they both I came in third. <laughs> and, uh, right. That's it's, it's just like, sort of like shit's just not, it's not going exactly right right it was not a good day and then you know sit there you still sit there with a third of a stack or half a stack and you just play well so don't punt i think a lot of people get in their minds that they have to have all the chips or that if things are going poorly they're all of a sudden going to start winning or something like that and no you don't have to worry about that i mean just don't punt off your stack because that half of a sack is worth yesterday five thousand dollars just want to give away five thousand dollars so then i just ended up in a standard spot where in theory i got it in bad right anatoly philatov lunatic your party poker friend. Yeah, my boy. He raised. Yeah, he was just on the podcast. He's yeah, fun. he is fun. So I'm at breakfast this morning. I made, I, I needled him and made fun of him. And I told him I'm going to bust him later. Did he make it through the day? With only a one and a half starting sack. So okay. he had more after he busted me. Oh, wow. So he's bad. Right. Um, so anyway, <laughs> yeah. he raised, but I three bet. He went all in and I called. He had Jackson, I had tens. I was out, right? And Pretty standard. What are you going to do? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right? just flipped. He has Jackson tens. It's going in. It's that same spot. Basically, what are you going to reverse. So. so Right. But no, do I ever have financial blowups? Definitely not at the poker table. Going back to things I'm trying to improve in my life. Um, after yesterday, if I played that hand a year ago, I definitely would have gone to the hotel, got a bottle of red wine and a cheesecake and would have eaten it and drank all of it. And yesterday I had some pasta and then went back to the room and went to bed and had some water. So little shift, little changes, little shift. But those things can add up a lot. So like that would be my quote unquote tilt is mm. post game drink and eat <laughs> right so okay but now you've cut out the, the i have tools. tried to cut that out and i think it's going to be beneficial very nice i don't see how it can't be i mean it's either going to be good or neutral it's right it can't be it's uh for your all it's going to be good what what do your parents family think when you earn so much money at a young age playing poker <laughs> did your mom ever refer to poker as that's the devil yeah how was your family i always forgot to ask this so thank you richard crane on twitter uh asking this how did your family feel about poker at the beginning and now my parents did not like gambling, and I started winning money. Then they started thinking poker was okay. 
but they were always generally supportive. And I think I went about quitting my job and college about as well as you can. And that, and from their point of view, I quit like pretty late. Like I quit my $10 an hour job and I think I had like $50,000 to my name and was already playing $200 sit and goes making 200 bucks an hour or whatever. And so where did you go to school? I went to university of West Florida. I had an academic scholarship there to get like, okay, city is that? that's in Pensacola okay. where I grew up. And so I quit my job and then I later, but I had lots of results from sit and goes. Um, they didn't have poker track or anything back then. So I had this giant notebook with like divided into weeks and I'd have a tally for first, second, third or out of the money. And then how much I want or lost each day in my ROI, how much I want each month in my ROI, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And so it was just always straight up. And so they say, okay, like he's went in between like 10 and 30,000 a month. Right. And I said, look, I will set aside $50,000 mm-hmm. so I can go to college if I need to. That's how much college cost back then. Right. It's a little bit different today. Um, so anyway, that's, I had that money set aside. I said, look, if I ever get down to this money, it was like 60 K mm-hmm. I'll go back to college. And, um, fortunately I never got anywhere near that. So that was good. That's awesome. And so there were, there was never really a, uh, well, I was, I think the problem is I was kind of like crushing it so hard <laughs> to the point that it was just such an obvious decision. It's very different for a lot of people when they have no money in the bank or minimal money in the bank and they are making, you know, 20 bucks an hour playing poker. That, that's when a lot of people attempt to quit, um, quit school or quit, quit their job. And that's a big mistake. And it, it really realistically is a big mistake and your family should be concerned. So show significant earnings and significant, a significant win rate over a long period of time. I think I've done it for like eight months or a year or something like that. And then you'll probably be okay. Awesome. Uh, we are, I, we're starting to have a bit of internet lag. I think it's maybe partly because of the time here, which is a little frustrating that this is, uh, as you mentioned in the UK, the, the internet's not been amazing. So I do want to take a couple more questions and we're going to do a massive giveaway and then we'll go, what's your favorite tournament to play? Like if you, a year, like say it's, it's the one at Baja Mar because the, the venue is great. The tournament's great. Party poker does a great job there and I will not be missing one unless they do something to mess it up. Um, Seems like every, every poker operators figured out a way to mess it up over the last few years besides party poker. Let's see if they can do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Is it rare for a high level poker player to also have a family and how does that affect your motivation to continue to play at the top level? It's going to sound like a really bad answer to a lot of people, but I don't think I'm going to continue playing at, at the top level. Um, the top level is currently 100Ks and million dollar buying tournaments, and I'm not doing that. So my aspirations are not to be legitimately the best poker player in the world. My aspirations are to be the best poker player I can, given my constraints, which family, kids, business, all that takes a lot of time and a lot of effort. And that's OK. I'm still doing perfectly fine in the $10,000 tournaments. Like I said, I, mean, I haven't been particularly lucky in them, but I'm playing and realize I am extracting value. And... I make a point to do the best with the time allotment that I have. Okay. That's great. And uh, what do you, do you recommend getting HUDs at micro stakes or any stakes? Do you use a HUD when you play online? And what do you feel about party poker getting rid of HUDs and changing alias? I definitely use a HUD if they'll let me. I, well, whenever you're 24 tabling, you (laughs) need, I like, I, I leaned heavily on the HUDs. And actually I remember just a few years ago, if it wouldn't work on a, on a site, I just wouldn't play on that site that day. Mm -hmm. Cause like sometimes they'd update it or something and it wouldn't work. Um, still on like poker stars when I play, I'll use a heads up display and I you know, clearly don't on party poker. I think par- HUDs are probably a good thing to get rid of. Anything that gives people in the know, just one more edge doesn't right. seem like a good thing. I mean, look, there are two points of view as a poker player. You can either try to win as much money for yourself immediately, or you can try to make the game last forever. And a lot of people are very short sighted when it comes to poker, either because they are just naturally short sighted or because 
they have not necessarily thought about the ramifications of busting all the bad players. And we see this in like cash games online now. They're kind of dead. And why is that? It's because all the good players just got way too good and they had more information than all the bad players. And that's resulted in the game dying. And now all the cash game pros are like, well, what am I supposed to do? Why won't the games run? Because you beat it. You beat the bad players too fast, right? right? And that's kind of the problem with re-entry tournaments. Same thing is re-entry tournaments beat the bad players too fast. And I'm actually shocked they last as long as they did, but I'm glad to see the trend turning where pros are going to make less money immediately, but they're going to make money indefinitely. Right. And I've always rather make money indefinitely than just a lot of money immediately. Yeah, this was definitely brought to a highlight to even just close the year where Alex Fox and re-entered the Bellagio five times. So 50, Five's not even a lot. You're right. Yeah, $50,000 ends up winning 1.7. Yeah. But it's kind of like, if you're, let's just say you're, you go to Vegas, it's your end of the year trip. You say, you know, Bellagio, five diamond, week before Christmas, pretty sweet, right? It's fun. There's a thousand, thousand entries, but really how many uniques? Maybe it's 450, 500 people. I mean, there's a lot of people, two re-entries, three re-entries, four, five, six, seven, eight re-entries for some people. Now imagine Foxen, who ends up sneaking into the number one GPI spot, by winning that, he was 13th going into the tournament. He wins it, okay? But imagine you're, you know, Joe Joe Blow from uh, Montana. You're out there. You knock Fox out. And now you look back in uh, day two, the next day he's there. He's check-raising you, you know. And, it's and then little, he busts you. Yeah, a little <laughs> disheartening, right? It's, so it's like, it's kind of, a, it's it's interesting, though. It's, it also, it adds prize pools. Maybe in a way, you could argue that people play worse, though, when there's a chance maybe they're trying to go for more chips, build a stack. So there's a little bit of that. But... Uh, the, I think that it's an interesting topic. It's a hot topic. So how would you address this to the to the community? And what, what would you suggest in this for the operators? I think the players need to realize what they signed up for. If you sign up for a re-entry tournament and the rules are very clear, it's a re-entry tournament. Why are you complaining? Don't play it if you don't want to play a re-entry tournament. Mm-hmm. Or, you, or play it and realize it's not your dream scenario, but that you're, that's it, right? Yeah. yeah that's the I rule. mean, like, that is the rule of the game, right? Right. right. Like in, in the, It's a game and you're... A, a, the objective is to win. So whatever you feel that means, if that means you think you should play tight, be in for one, risk the minimum, and try to whatever, let people play bad. Or if you think like Fox or someone else is like, listen, I'm going to take every spot. I'm going to go over every edge because I know that once I get a hold of chips, it's going to be, I'm going to have a good opportunity to win. Yeah, I don't have much sympathy for people who are presented rules, play, and someone else plays by the rules and they want them or expect them to play by their own hypothetical set of rules. Mm-hmm. Like why, why does your hypothetical set of rules matter when we're playing a game that has very clearly outlined right. rules. Right. This is a re-entry tournament. You can re-enter until you have 10 big blinds or whatever. Fine. If you don't like it, don't play. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and for all, again, just to kind of highlight that thought, train of thought, and people may complain, how about the guy, Dylan Lynn, who won the year before, like, okay, he did win the year before, so whatever, but like, yeah, I think he entered eight times and didn't cash. You know, like, there are a bunch of those guys that think about how tilting that is for some people, or just, just what it is. It's like guys are putting 50, 60K into that big prize pool, and they're not cashing even. So, you know, uh, you have to look at it, too, I think, both ways. It's yeah, not so, just like, oh, you get to win. You know, it's highlighted when someone does play a bunch and they win, but that's not always how it goes. Shout out to Dylan. I had him write a mixed game book for my publishing company, D&B Poker. Okay. It's good. It's called Mastering Mixed Games. It was actually funny. I had I got him to write it. Write... Well, at the, at the party poker tournament last mm-hmm. year, then he won the Bellagio tournament like the week later. I'm like, oh, no, is he too rich to write my book right. now? Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's actually a good timing, though. It's nice that he has yeah. that to add. But then he finished it, no problem. Absolute pleasure to work with. So uh, it's called shout Mastering out to Mixed Games. Mastering Mixed Games. It's mm-hmm. a good, introduction. solid introduction to the common games that are played. So anyway, um, I think re-entry tournaments are quite bad for the bad players. 
because every time a good player enters, they extract some amount of ROI. And, and players who are willing to go off for eight bullets, I highly doubt that they are negative EV on any mm-hmm. buy-in. Yeah. Maybe they're not the most plus EV they possibly could be, but I, I doubt they're like minus right. 10% even on any bullets. So uh, the problem is, is that casinos want to make money. And if it's no re-entry, they only get one amount of rake from each person. But if it's unlimited re-entry, they get lots of rake from each person. Casinos enjoy making money. and Same as operators online. This is also very relevant to online yeah. tournaments. Where remember, remember the full tilt days when it was like the... I think they were on the line at least. Remember the multi, That was when it kind of looked like they might be like just grab everything was unlimited re-entry. I have another good story about this. So okay. um, after full tilt banned me, I... Apologize to them. I apologize to the poker community. Mm-hmm. They took all the money out of the account, and um, I, you I'm know, they was surprised they took all the money. Like I, I can get in their mind, it was theirs. I, I cheated them. Okay. I wonder what they did with it. Did they disperse it or they just kept it? Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, and hey, okay. if, if you read any online sites' terms and conditions, if you break the rules, they can take your money. Mm-hmm. I broke the rules. They can take my money. And anyway, I emailed them uh, like a few months later. Said, "Look, you have." I've made right. Can I come back and play on the site? They said, sure, no problem. So I go back, I play. And then right before Black Friday, they had they were having these $1,000 six-entry tournaments. You could play six at a time right from the start. So, Oh, oh that was what they were doing. That's yeah. right. It wasn't even a re-entry. It was, it was just multi-entry, entry, which is insane to actually comprehend what that means. And I, I actually forgot. So yeah. I'm interested. So anyway, you I... could literally be in the same tournament six times. Correct. Holy, that's crazy. Long, long story short, I ended up taking second in the last one right before Black Friday mm-hmm. for 320K. I was playing 200, 400 PLO at that time, and I didn't necessarily want to keep a ton of money on full tilt because I didn't want to punt it all. So I sent my contact there an email, said, hey, can I cash this out? He said, sure. Sent me the money, got to my account one day before Black Friday, and um, I had almost no money in full tilt. So I'm lucky. Wow. <laughs> but you did end up getting that back anyway, the I, rest of it, years later. The rest of it. Like whatever you left, you said you had all. Oh, like nothing. Yeah, yeah, I got the rest back. You had some in there, like two hundred, four hundred PLO. You probably left. No, I had like ten k or something. Okay. Oh, so you literally miracle. Like nothing. I was playing mostly on stars Mm because I remember back then you could. I was short stacking it because there's a huge gem blinds. Everybody else has a lot. Yeah, it's it's true. And on stars, I think it was twenty big blinds. On full tilt, it was forty. Could you explain that exactly? Because I understand it, but could you articulate why playing? If you because it doesn't always. That's not necessarily always the case. The game's extremely soft or or, or something. Maybe not, but in in a spot where you could buy, and let's say it's one hundred, two hundred. And you could have 5K and everyone else has 15 or 20K. Why is that better? Because hands change value as you get deeper stacked. I mean, if you look at No Limit Hold'em, if you go to my site, pokercoaching.com, in the tool section, we have GTO charts for 100 big blinds, 40 big blinds, 25 big blinds, 15 big blinds. Mm-hmm. And they're different, which implies that if everybody else is playing a 100 big blind game, they're playing different ranges that are good against everybody else, but not so good against me with 15 big blinds. Right. So that is relevant. <laughs> that is useful. And um, we should have logged in here, so we could have shown everybody. Whatever, it doesn't matter. I could Too be. late for that. <laughs> it's not. If you want, we could, but go ahead. No, 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 don't worry about it. We're, we'll be done soon okay. anyway. Um, basically, they're playing wrong ranges against you. And so if they're playing wrong ranges against you, then you're just going to beat them. So in PLO, what do you do? With, you just basically wait for the best starting hands, like aces and kings and it's good to be connected. To right. Hands. So guys are opening like whatever modest hands and maybe Ace track seven, off, six, yeah. And a hundred lines deep with other stacks, but against right. your stack now, and now when you pot or whatever, maybe they have to call for right. they're in there and you're eliminating them. And 
Right. It's not. So you get it all in with like 55% equity over and over again for $8,000 yeah. and you just print money. Um, so anyway, I, I was actually moving all the money from full tilt to the other side. You, how much appeal do you play? What, what's your breakdown in cash games versus tournaments now? I play mostly tournaments now because of re-entry tournaments, actually. So what I used to do is I would show up, I would play the tournament at noon because most places have a tournament at noon. If I busted before about 7 p.m., I'd play cash games until midnight or so. Mm-hmm. If I busted after 7 p.m., I usually just go to bed. What would you prefer, PLO or Hold'em, though? I prefer soft games, <laughs> whatever that means. Whatever that is, yeah. um, so usually I would play, like, the problem is a lot of cash games, even live, have gotten just not good. Um, like, I remember I, I used to be able to go to Borgata, and I could play, like, 25-50. That was just amazing. Mm-hmm. And now you go there, and there's one five ten game or something. Right. And you're like, ugh. And... So now I'd rather just go to go to bed. Mm-hmm. But uh, that's what I used to do. Now, though, you can re-enter in these tournaments. So you can re-enter till 7 or 8 p.m. And that means I'm always until 7 or 8 p.m. So once I'm done, then it's time to go to bed. Right. And, and that actually, and that increases your chance of making it through. Because at oh, some yeah. point you've, you've played, you either, you're out and then you're, at some point you're getting chips. So mm-hmm. well, hopefully, right? Like worst case would be you have a starting stack around that end point. But, right. Yeah. So I, I used to play a lot more cash games, but I've, I've played less over the last few years just because of the re-entry. Right. Availability. Yeah, guys, sorry about the connection. Uh, we're in Nottingham. Yes, sir. Um, and uh, we are, Jonathan is going to be playing 1B of the main event. I am on today three of the main event on Saturday, which feels good to say. Sick brag, yeah, man. You really just love bragging about this, huh? I, this is exciting. Yeah, the day one and two online. So Jonathan's been very gracious. We're going to do the giveaway. We've been on for a long time. He even said he'd stay here until seven. I think we've covered so much stuff. We do want to let him play. Play. hopefully join us on day three it's three o'clock wow this is maybe i think this is actually this is our gonna be our longest podcast ever we did start late though sorry started everyone for, no it's just it's good <laughs> there's gonna be a lot of a lot of good stuff let us go here we'll give you guys a all you have to do so even though we don't we don't have to answer it or ask it uh we're gonna go to the competition agency we're gonna pin jonathan decide based on the time in RNG. Which online side do I play in? Party Poker and Stars, and that's it. Was that a question also here? Yep. Oh, Knock out a question some, while we're here. Oh, yeah. I see some uh, some other stuff here. I don't even know. He's you think Jeff is better than me at poker? Probably. I don't know about that. You know, I have this weird mindset issue where I just presume that most people are absolute sickos. And I realize they can't all be. Not saying anything about Jeff here. Just a blanket statement. And... I think you'll find a lot of the best performers at most things are either very, very, very overly confident or they are, they generally lack confidence to the point of recognizing that they can learn infinite from everyone. And I think I kind of fall in that category, but I actually don't think it's necessarily the right category to be. Um, So I know from the Pokar backing company that a lot of their biggest winners just like think they are the best player in the world, but they still study everything they can, right? So it's like two different mindsets. And when I say like I lack confidence, I don't necessarily mean I'm going to make a bad player or anything like that because of it. But at the same time, it's more like if I go sit and play the 25K against people who have $20 million in caches, they're probably better than me. I'm not egotistical about it. You know, I think it's important to be realistic, Um, although I could be wrong about that. (laughs) Maybe it's okay to be delusional every now and then. Yeah, I'm. I completely agree with but that. But like, just because they're better than me doesn't mean I'm going to all of a sudden play poorly. You know what I mean? That's the difference, I think. I think a lot of people, they get intimidated or they adjust their strategy because they think people play better than them. But that's that's like the worst thing you can do. Right. <laughs> Instead, you should just play a regular game. Yeah, and also, I mean, in some of those tournaments where if you're not playing all the time, like it's like some of those guys have a lot of history, know each other. They may not know how, they, you know, like your exact style or how you're going to approach it. And and I, I mean, I, I don't think like, like you said, I don't feel, I would never be intimidated 
no matter what the buy-in, I'm never going to go and feel like uncomfortable. Like, yeah, I'm going to look at some of these guys that I know are like at the top of the game, top of the food chain right now. And like, yeah, they're, they're fuck, they're tough, right? Like you're, you're, you know that they are so experienced, like in solvers and different spots and they're going to be not making a ton of mistakes, but it's not like I'm going to be in there and like lost. Like I'm going to play a tournament with that. You could give me the best 10 players, one through 10 in the world. Go put me in that lineup and like you'd be like yeah. minus ten percent or five percent. Yeah, I feel or something. like I'm gonna exactly like I could easily win. It's just yeah. like they're, they're <laughs> you know, and that's which is cool. But um, but so yeah. I will give everyone a piece of advice. If you ever do feel like you are very out of your comfort zone, most people, assuming you are generally perceived to be somewhat tight, I think people probably perceive me and Jeff to be a little bit tight. Mm-hmm. The correct adjustment is to drastically over bluff. So uh, I run a whole lot of bluffs against the good players, and yeah. I think they are quite successful. Right. And and that's also, and then talk about that though. When you say bluff, like when you run bluffs, like you're, you're talking more post-flop because pre-flop yeah. the ranges are the ranges. Like I right. think that's a common misconception too. It's like, Oh, like I'm going to, you know, yeah, of course you could throw in maybe some suited aces or some like spots where just maybe you wouldn't be taking and making some aggressive plays, but really post-flop. Cause that's when it's like, that's a whole different game than mm-hmm. pre-flop. Pre-flop are the ranges and post-flop. Now you can make some people full hero folding some top pairs or even over to the board. If, they think you're not capable or, or if you're never going to bluff or, or be without at least two pairs or something, right? Sure. Like if they say you're never going to raise me on a draw now, like on a board, we need four, two spades. If you had, like you could maybe get away with something and make them fold Kings or something. Yeah. You know, like that, I mean, there is a little bit of wiggle room pre-flop, like you said, with the suited aces type hands. Yeah. Like if they think you're going to be a little bit too tight, maybe they're going to three bet you a little bit more pre-flop. And that's a good spot. Which in turn for you bet. should four bet right. more Especially often. Especially suited ace, like a perfect hand. You're 30% worse equity, basically, you know, like suited ace five or whatever, like the best hand to have. But that's a spot where exactly guys maybe think, oh, I'm going to three bet him. Mm-hmm. He's never going to four bet me without aces or kings or ace so, king. And so that means I will. Four bet a lot, yeah, right? Yeah. And then post off, like you said, there's many spots where they might go for a thin value bet on the river thinking that you're only going to raise with the nuts. Because mm-hmm. if your opponent's only going to raise with nuts, it's like free to value bet pretty much. Mm-hmm. So if it's free to value bet, in their minds, but it's actually not because you're just going to raise them out of their seat every time. Mm-hmm. You're just yeah, going to loads of blocker cards. So that's a good example. So anyway, if people think you're probably a little bit tight, if you maybe a, you're like a middle-aged person who looks kind of chill, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's the kind of guy who needs to be bluffing as much as he possibly can. Um, yeah, I love it. Uh, Why do we go so long today? I just have long answers to everything. No, I think there are a lot of questions. <laughs> also a lot to talk about. We talked with the, with the coaching course and also some of the, the uh, just, I mean, you have, a, you have a longer career too, right? You've been around, you've done, you've, you've been around for a long, since basically the beginning of the, the boom and, and, and we're live in person. I think it's always extra, makes it more fun to go a little longer. Here's uh, luck Westerbean saying, JL, I really like your attitude because of this and all the content. I'm a member of your site. So. Thank you, luck going back to the site. So you just mentioned the word course. And I think another big differentiator between pokercoaching.com and a lot of other sites is that a lot of other sites offer a course Mm -hmm. and we have more like mini courses, Mm -hmm. like 30 courses that are six to 10 hours long each, plus a large library for the premium members of 30 minute videos answering all sorts of questions. Like imagine a question you have about poker, it'll be there. Mm -hmm. And if it's not there, send me an email and I'll make it. And that is... I think a value that a lot of people are not providing because a lot of people out there, not Jeff, just the opposite of this. A lot of people want to do the work one time and then forget about it. And I'm happy to get in there and make new content all day, every day. Right. Like for example, just the other day, there's a spot in the thousand dollar tournament where someone raised and I flat called with aces out of 25 off a 25 big blind stack. And I realized a lot of people were asking questions about this. Why would you just flat call? So 
instead of just ignoring them like a lot of people do, or even replying to them on Twitter like a lot of people do, mm-hmm. I made a video about it and put it up on YouTube and answered yeah. the question, right? And that's that's the kind of yeah, service I try to provide to my students. It's actually funny because I remember in the PCA in the uh, 10K uh, Turbo event, the last one of this, uh, uh, one of the years, I was there with Bryn Kinney, and um, it was near the money, and there was a spot where I had Kings, and the button opened, and I had like 13 blinds, and I jammed, and the guy folded, I think I like showed my hand, whatever, just because it was like, we were like two off the money or something. And there was some really short stacks, but it was just fun. And then after I talked to Bryn and he was like, you know, he was like, you should just flat there. And I'm like, <laughs> and then I thought about it and he's like, kind of made sense. Right. It's like in certain spots or certain hands, like your ACEs hand, like there's just certain times where you're going to, it's going to make such a, it's like a perfect spot to trap, right? Like tw- sub 20 blinds with Kings aces and alert in certain spots. Right. And it's not always, cause it depends on the situation, the player, or what the, the, the place they're raising from or whatever. But it's just like interesting, right? Because in my mind, it was like, I never even thought about that. I was like, oh, why would I would never consider that? And I would just be like, oh, I want to protect. I'm probably, maybe I'm getting cold all the time because whatever. But it's like thinking about it from another perspective, it, it's interesting, right? And that's, and that's probably something that people just in general aren't thinking ever. I'll tell you about. a problem a lot of people run into is there's I've been a few apps that have come out recently that have reshove charts, mm. which give you the option of when someone raises, you either go all in or you fold. That's not how poker works. Right. There's a call option. <laughs> yeah. And and even more so taking that to consideration is it's so relevant. Like if you're flatting off 20, 25 blinds with aces, it also matters a lot too. the stacks. Let's say you're in the cutoff. Sure. What is the what does the button have? How many how many blinds? The small blind, big blind. Because mm-hmm. if they have sub 15 blinds or certain stacks, like they the propensity for them to shove goes up a lot versus if it's 40, 60, 80 blinds, you maybe not want to flat because it's like the big blind's probably just going to complete. You're going to go multi-way. You know, it's just like these little things. Or is the guy on the, if you know some of the players on your left, what are their tendencies? These mm-hmm. all matter. It matters a lot. Right. But you know, you know that, yeah. yeah. So yeah. I was going to say in general, if you only go all in or fold off that like 25 big blind stack, I think you can jam in that spot like 15% of hands. But if you have a calling range, you can play something like 26% of hands. Mm. My, my memory might be slightly off there. But you get to play a lot more hands profitably right. because you do flat call sometimes. And I, th- I look at the GTO strategy. Go watch the video on YouTube, youtube.com slash poker coaching. And um, you get to fly with aces like half the time. And you should fly with aces. And I say in the video, I'm probably flying aces 100% here. And also a few more of the suited connected type hands because I want to see flops. It's also interesting. I mean, it start leveling or thinking about it, depending who you're playing against. Mm-hmm. Also, if, you have, if you're playing against a good, competent player, like if I'm, if I'm playing and you flat, like, well, you just said 100%. But let's say a good known player... <laughs> flats off like 20, 25 blinds, like immediately I'm very got a pretty damn good hand. I doubt he's flatting fours here, right? You, you should flat fours. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. But well, you, the thing is, is by flatting aces, you, you, you're, you the opponents out. can't get after it all that much. They can't bluff you all that much right. often because you have aces sometimes. Right. That's exactly how you're, you're getting protection. To right. See king, queen suited, queen jack suited. Flatting aces lets you flat more yeah, marginal exactly. stuff. Whereas if you always jam the aces... It means you're flatting just a lot of marginal stuff, in which case the players you attack can just blindly re-raise you. Yeah, and of course in a one K random spot early. Maybe it doesn't matter. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, it depends. So it's but it's interesting. It's definitely that's why poker's so fun. Every spot, every set, stack size, every person. There's really never a similar situation. I mean, they're similar, but not the same. So similar just, but different. Yes, that's why it's so fun. All right, Jonathan, you're gonna crush today in the 10K. Yes, I am. We are going to do this <laughs> giveaway, and we are gonna give away eleven $1, hundred and eighty-eight dollars worth of value for Jonathan's premium 
pokercoaching.com slash premium to check it out. Slash, well, pokercoaching.com slash flow. Go there. Any of the above. <laughs> you can do any of the above. Check it out. Also, they will get, you can do some samples. You don't have to sign up, right? They can, they get, you uh, get a free, free quizzes and trial membership that never expires. That's so go cool. through all of it. And if you don't like it, don't sign up. If you like it and you learn something, sign up and continue learning and get good at poker. There we go. So I'm going to let you decide. Someone's going to get it right now from Twitter. Whoever followed those instructions, if you're, you're kind of, what do I do? Come in and all you have to do is tell me when. That's what you have to do. Oh. You tell me when. Let's give them another 10 seconds to get eligible to, to type, ask a question on Twitter, follow the, the, the instructions, and then whatever you decide, that's it. Someone's going to get a free membership to your course for the one year. It's kind of it's exciting. It's a big giveaway. It's the biggest giveaway on the podcast for sure. We usually give away $55 party poker ticket, which is exciting, but this is like, you know, 22, three times bigger. So this is, this is massive. This is a moment. We're having a moment on the podcast and Jonathan's going to deliver it to you whenever he feels. When are we doing it? Are we ready? Are we it's ready? Up to you. I'm ready. I'm here. I'm is this up. like a random number generator where it's running and then you'll it's randomly random. select the number? Someone's going to get picked at the tweet. Their Twitter's going to pop up. We're going to message them, DM and say, boom. And then what boom. do they need? Well, after I just need their email. That's it. That's that simple. Someone is about to get this value delivered to them and just provide an email. So you tell me when they're going to get it. All right. Now seems like a good time. So, now seems fine. Uh, boom, Dobo seventy eight. That sounds nice. like a nice winner. Dobo seventy eight, and they follow. They got, they got, they got the. Uh, They're doing it. They follow directions. That's beautiful. They're that would have hurt to pick someone that didn't have it, <laughs> that didn't follow or whatever. So, uh, huge win. Uh, please provide your emails. I'm just vibing at the hotel. Um. And okay, so that we is it. we did that. And uh, what are your thoughts on the Triton? You ever you 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 feel that this is a, a short deck? Oh, that's why I was asking short deck and Triton. Have you watched some of the short deck play? Do you play I have done deck? nothing with short deck, and the reason is because I view it kind of like PLO about eight years ago, where I think it will be a game. I think it will be played, but I don't think it will become the game. And once it becomes clear, it will become the game. I will start focusing on it. But right now in life, like I said, time is limited. And a lot of those games are happening at the really high stakes. But if they just start having like random 5K short neck tournaments everywhere, I mean, maybe I'm gonna have to learn it. But I don't think we're there yet. And I don't want to spend a lot of time learning a game that I don't think is going to be a game that I necessarily have to play in the future. Right? Like if you were a limit hold'em player back in the day, you had to make a move. And if you didn't, you messed up. Right. Um, and so I, I made the adjustment to no limit, right? Mm-hmm. I didn't want to, but it was just obvious it was happening. Mm-hmm. And I thought it might be happening with PLO back in the day. So I yeah, spent a year playing PLO. Yeah, it, was, it did feel like it was going to be spread. But I, I thought even tournaments, everything, just like cat going to a casino was going to be like mainly PLO at some point. They but tried, but it just didn't happen. Didn't I mean, it's happened in some places in the world still. There are like yeah. a lot of, like in yeah. Europe, there are a lot of places where they play a lot of PLO, but that's not where I am. Mm-hmm. So it's not necessarily required for me. And I mean, like, I'm like this last summer in Vegas thing, I played like PLO cash games twice. So it's not, not like I'm afraid to go play or anything like that. But mm-hmm. if there was a short deck game, I would definitely not go play. Right. Because I just don't need to. Right. But I think it's a fun game. Seems like a good gambling game. Yes, so um, it is. It is fun. It seems like fun. It's always good that there's innovation in poker. It's, yeah. it's important to keep bounties, KO tournaments, these things that makes it, you know, it, it changes little nuances can make make it keep it fresh and interesting and that's that's what i believe too about poker is it's going to be around forever yeah it's like it's always there's a form you have variation five card big oh these draws like there's always a way to spice it up and, and uh, if it's not no limits not sexy enough for you there's always things you can do a game mixed games are also cool and i, I haven't delved in that rabbit hole yet and like you said 
you haven't so much either. Maybe down the line on your site, and there's a book from Don Lynn and, yeah. and some other stuff. So that's uh, it's fun. You know, there's always ways to, to move. And also, poker is just no limit. Hold them so intense. There's so much stuff learning. It's like it's still fun to just get better and it's, learn. It's really just about focus time. Like if I was living in Vegas and I wanted to go play cash games at Bellagio or Aria every day, let's mm-hmm. let's say that was my goal, like I used to do a long time ago. Right. I would go to Bellagio every single day mm-hmm. to play. I would make a point to learn whatever the main games are there, whatever that means, and that might be a game. But that's not what I'm doing in life right now. Now I'm living in New York City, making a no limit hold'em training site. Right. So that's not so applicable, right? Um, but I do know a few of my friends, they went out to Vegas or LA. If you're in LA, you sure better know how to play PLO because they play a lot of PLO. If you're in Vegas, you sure better know how to play eight game because they play a lot of eight game. And you want to make sure when you walk into the casino that you can play whatever the most profitable game is, yeah. whatever that means. You also so, don't want to be, yeah, you want to be prepared yeah. for whatever's given. You don't want to be lost or miss out on something. Assuming that's what you're doing on a regular basis. Yes. If it's not what you're doing, like, do I need to go learn how to play Raz? Probably. I'm going to miss out on three Raz tournaments at the World Series every year. Probably not. You're probably, you're probably not diving. That'll be all right. Yeah. So. Right? And I feel like a lot of the other games are not like Raz, but they're comparable enough. Yes, absolutely. All right. Well, we covered a ton, guys. Again, check out Jonathan's site, pokercoaching.com. And, of course, all of his different social stuff, very active in the poker community, provides a lot of value. Great guy, family man as well. And uh, we wish him the best in this this 10K main event. We'll see him later this week regardless. And, uh, yeah, maybe we'll go check out his little his name, his nickname, Little John. And he's, we're in Nottingham, so maybe we'll, we'll get some content from uh, Share with Forest. I'll go to the Forest if you want to go to the Forest. I would like to go. Maybe, <laughs> maybe uh, I'm trying to think when it could be. It would have to maybe be. It's hard. But what day are you leaving here? I don't know. Not when sure. I'm done. Not, you haven't booked a return? Or? <laughs> no, I've booked one, but I don't know. It's like the day after it's over. Okay. So I'm not staying late. Got a kid and wife and kids at home. Got yeah, no, I'm just trying to think home. when we could go. It might have to be uh, like in the morning one day because it's kind of good. I'm not a morning person, but I'll do mornings. I don't know. When, when can we go? You're playing today. You're going to make it through. I'm playing then, every day. So far, I've played till almost midnight every day. <laughs> well, so tomorrow, maybe tomorrow morning might be the only play. Tomorrow morning, I have a breakfast with my students. Saturday morning is day three. Sunday, mm. Sunday, maybe Sunday, morning. maybe Sunday morning. If, if we're both broke, if we're not. In the <laughs> so anyway, all right, John, thank you so much. Appreciate Thanks for having it. me. Yeah. Jonathan little again, check it out guys. We'll see you soon. That's number 40 in the books podcast. It's out on all the platforms and thank you for the following along. Thanks for asking questions and congrats to the winner for that giveaway. And of course you guys can sign up for free and check out some membership stuff and take some quizzes and keep learning. So thanks again. Thanks Jonathan. We'll see you soon. Thanks for listening to this episode. It was brought to you in partnership with Party Poker. Go to PartyPoker.com to play tournaments, cash games, and improve your poker game. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast to hear all of my future episodes.